with key ingredients supported by over 80 clinical trials. The exclusive formulation of the Bella Grace Elixir is changing lives everywhere. Ingesting collagen peptides alone is not very helpful. This is where most products fall short and where Bella Grace changes everything. Unlike other products, the Bella Grace Elixir controls the gene switches which activate collagen creation and disables the enzymes that break down the matrix. Bella Grace Elixir contains Verisol, the world's best and most clinically studied form of collagen. These elite collagen peptides influence the skin's collagen metabolism directly from the inside. Nature's most powerful antioxidant. 6,000 times more potent than vitamin C, Astereal Astaxanthin prevents the activation of gene switches that drive inflammation and activates the gene switch responsible for cellular repair and longevity, forming bridges across cell membranes, protecting them from free radical attack. Amazonian cat's claw suppresses the enzymes that degrade collagen and our skin matrix caused by oxidants and inflammation. It simply turns the switch off. The world's most studied collagen, plus activating the genes that make collagen, plus switching off the genes that break down collagen, has resulted in something the world has never experienced. The Bella Grace Elixir. Start your 30-day Bella Grace Challenge today. On the Pete Santilli Show. There's so much information going around and so it's like you always say it's like it, you know it's like a garden hose of information somebody's just praying you in the face we tend to forget uh, the whole epstein saga and tucker carlson was one of the only ones out there uh, who was saying something's just not right about this right it's never been conclusive that he killed himself and and now we're looking at uh, now we're looking at the court documents, right, from the Ghislaine Maxwell case. And and I gotta tell you, uh, they didn't really tell us anything that we didn't know, but what they did do was, it, you know, we saw the depth of, of some of the complete, uh, what they were being accused of, people 
we're being accused of here, right? So I found that very interesting. But as of right now, you're telling me you can't find your PCR report. Not for the 10th of August, 2019. No, it's not in the fire department database. I don't know why. If it's supposed to be there, we'll find out. But first, you've got to get the letters of administration before you can take them anywhere. Yeah, it was the date on here, the, the, the 10th of night. The day they, they found him, they took him away in his bed. Well, they, they might have taken him directly to the morgue. No, he, he was in the hospital. I have photographs of him in the hospital, too. Oh, well, I'm, I, you, you didn't tell me that. I'm, yeah. I'm just going by it. Yeah, no, I understand. I'm just trying to explain what I know. Yeah, well, I don't know what happened, but uh, so far he's not in the fine department database. I don't know why. Uh, and uh, could they have taken him somewhere? Well, see, he has a photograph of the fire department personnel. Yeah. 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 But he said I come here. He said because you see the fire department, because you see the fire department personnel there, that doesn't mean they provided documentation. They told me they did. I spoke to them. Yeah. And they were the ones who suggested I get the PCR. Well, well, they're saying one thing, but the computer is saying something else. Well, since I heard that with my own ears, I believe them, and I don't know why someone played with the computer and it's not there. I'm just telling you the situation. I'm not saying either way. I'm just saying the computer is saying one thing, and the information you got for them is different. Right, so the, but the computer saying, but the computer is saying is that it doesn't have a record of this. That's that's what I'm trying to tell you. Yes, and I don't know why. Uh, what's going on? Lower, lower Manhattan. Okay, but as of right now, you're tell telling me you can't find the PCR report. No, the documents are missing. Uh -huh. Bill Barr, of course, with every single investigation, former CIA agent, okay, that was first brought in to become AG to cover up on behalf of Juan Horiochi. Uh -huh. Attorney General and former CIA agent. A.G. Barr successfully protected the murderer named Two American spies have just arrived at Sandoz Laboratories, one of the world's leading pharmaceutical factories. The mission cornered the market on the world's supply of a powerful new psychoactive drug. The CIA was scared stiff the KGB was going to get all this LSD and come over and start dosing people. So we bought every drop of LSD in existence at that point. The CIA has just authorized the purchase of 10 kilograms of pure LSD-25, enough to dose more than half the population of the United States. They gave it to George White and let George start dosing people. George Hunter White, a larger-than-life undercover federal narcotics agent. Unbeknownst to his supervisors, White also works for the CIA. His job, to conduct experiments for an operation called Midnight Climax. George had a CIA safe house stocked with booze. George would sit behind this one-way mirror, drinking martinis, sitting on a portable toilet. If he had to take a leak, he didn't want to get up and leave. White pays prostitutes to lure their clients to the agency safe house. 
hookers who would bring these suckers back to the apartment and dose them with pure LSD-25. This is where I have my effect, in the mind. This is lysergic acid diethylamide, better known as acid. The powerful drug was first synthesized in 1938 in Switzerland. With a dose of mere micrograms, the mind becomes confused. Perception is distorted. Personal identity is called into question. The results can be euphoric bliss or deadly panic. White takes meticulous notes and files his reports to his CIA handlers. So that was how LSD was introduced to this country. Operation Midnight Climax is part of a larger top secret CIA program called MKUltra. The goal, learn how to control and even reprogram people's minds. The CIA believes LSD might hold the key. Over the next 10 years, the agency doses a cross-section of the American public. Everyone from unwitting housewives, to soldiers, to even criminals like gangster Whitey Bulger is tested. You know what the CIA really dreamed of was sort of like a drug you could give to someone, get them to commit all sorts of unspeakable acts, and they wake up the next day and they don't remember what they've done. They were looking into brainwashing, they were looking into mind control. They were looking into how they could create what they called Manchurian candidates. They were trying to figure out if they could get people to go out and do things that they would ordinarily not do, like assassinations. The case of MK Ultra has to be one of the craziest cases of blowback in CIA history because here they took this drug, LSD, and thought that they were gonna be able to use it to control people's minds. And the unbelievable irony is that LSD is a drug that does exactly the opposite. It frees your mind and uh, causes people to question authority. Turn on, tune in, drop out. The CIA's attempt to control people turned out to be just the opposite. It created the counterculture, as we know it, of the 60s. It was the CIA that introduced LSD to the United States. No, this club is too far and small. Yeah. Franco, how big was the crowd last night? Packed. We had to turn them away. That's what I mean. We got to expand this fucking place. Knock down that wall, knock down that wall, and knock down that fucking wall. Now I'm really angry. This is fucking war. You walk into this room at your own risk, because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man 
That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's interesting to learn who Jeffrey Epstein hung around with while he was alive. People who flew on his airplane, people who stayed on his private island in the Caribbean, those who had dinner at his home off Fifth Avenue in New York. And to some extent, those names are coming out, not all of them, but we know a lot of the people who are in Jeffrey Epstein's life, and we have for several years now. But on another level, that whole story seems like a bit of a sideshow because it doesn't answer the main mysteries surrounding Jeffrey Epstein's life or death. And there are three of them, almost none of which is ever discussed in the media. The first is who did Jeffrey Epstein work for? What did Jeffrey Epstein do for a living and on whose behalf? We don't know. The second question is where did all the money come from? Hundreds of millions of dollars that passed through his hands over many years. And where is it now? We don't know that either. And the third question may be the most pressing of all, which is what happened to Jeffrey Epstein? On August 10, 2019, he was found dead in the Federal Correction Facility in Manhattan, in one of the most secure places in the world. Did he kill himself, as the government has claimed ever since, or was he murdered? Well, the overwhelming evidence suggests that he was in fact murdered, and that the US government, including the Attorney General of the United States, covered up that murder. These are the questions that matter most, and they're exactly the ones not being addressed in the news media. Why is that? We decided to speak to someone who has insight into this question, and that is Jeffrey Epstein's only surviving relative. His name is Mark Epstein. He was Jeffrey Epstein's brother, separated by 18 months. He's a successful real estate developer in New York, and he's very concerned for his own safety. So the interview that follows is one that you will listen to rather than see. Mark Epstein refused to appear on camera, but we think what he has to say is worth hearing. Here it is. Do you think your brother killed himself? Not now, no. When I first heard he was dead from suicide, I had no reason to doubt it, so I accepted that. But then after the autopsy, and after Bill Bob made that asinine statement, I said, this was not a suicide. Um, but when you first heard the news, you were not, you thought it was a possibility that he killed himself. Yeah, I accepted it as a fact. I heard it on the news. The government didn't notify me, as they said. I heard it on CNN in the morning of the 10th. And you're his only survivor. You're the only surviving relative. Yes, yes. He has no children and our parents are gone. And there's no other siblings. 
When did you start to think that he did not kill himself? Well, after the autopsy and the, both pathologists, the city pathologist and Dr. Barden, came out of the autopsy and they said, this, this doesn't look like a suicide. It looks more like a homicide. So what did you do then? Well, I, okay, I figured we'd have to look into this and see what's going on. Were you shocked that he might have been killed? Uh, it came as a surprise, yeah. So as his only surviving relative, what did you do to find out what happened to him? Well, I started to inquire about what took place. You know, the Justice Department uh, was supposedly investigating. The initial death certificate uh, said pending uh, when it said cause of death, which means pending further investigation. Yes. So, but then a few days later, it was declared a suicide by the chief pathologist who, who was not at the autopsy. And uh, the questions became what investigation was done in such a short period of time to make her determine it was a suicide or was she basing it on Bill Barr's statement? And who, who was the chief pathologist who made that declaration? Uh, Dr. Roman. That was the, the pathologist who was there. No, no, no. That was, uh, oh, Samson. Barbara Samson was the chief pathologist. Dr. Right. Roman did the actual autopsy with Dr. Barnes. So Barbara Samson is the person who declared it officially a suicide and she was not, as you said, at the autopsy. I mean, she was not present for it. Correct. And, you know, when they call it a suicide, they stop investigating. Because if there's a suicide, there's really nothing to investigate. Right. If it's a suicide, because somebody killed themselves, case closed. So that's how they can just sort of cover it up. They never, they never did an investigation. They didn't, never interviewed the EMTs that were called to the jail. They never interviewed the hospital personnel where his body was, was shipped. They, they, I can't get any answers as to what investigation was done. When I met with the Justice Department people, a few months after the death, every question I asked was answered by saying, after a thorough investigation, we determined it was a suicide. That was the, it was like them pleading the fifth. I got the same answer to every question I asked. So, um, do you have, have, did you speak to Barbara Sampson, the official who ruled the system? No, I haven't been able to get to her. Oh, she never called you? No. So, in, um, in her public explanation, she has been asked about this. We tried to reach out to her. She refused to speak to us. Um, for reasons we don't understand. Uh, but in her official explanation, she suggested that she ruled it a suicide, effectively overruling the judgment of the people who actually were from the autopsy because your brother had attempted suicide previously. Yeah, but that's been shown to be false. Uh, you can listen to David Schoen, his attorney, on the podcast, the Crime Waves podcast. He explains that Jeff was attacked by his cellmate but he didn't want to report it as such because he was afraid of retaliation. Um, but every news account of his initial injuries in the, in the weeks before his death said that he had tried to kill himself in a, in a cell. He was found in fetal position on the floor after a failed suicide attempt, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, once somebody says that, then everyone picks up the same story. And then it becomes, you know, the truth just because it's been repeated so many times. But the fact is he was not... He did not attempt suicide that first time. So if he didn't try and kill himself the first time, then the medical examiner had no basis to declare this a suicide. Exactly, exactly. Plus there's reasons why he wouldn't kill himself then. He had a hearing scheduled for, uh, to appeal the bail decision coming up in a few days. And uh, the bail was being uh, increased. So there's a chance he could have got bail. 
even as unpalatable as that might have been to some people, you know, in the United States, you're entitled to bail under certain certain conditions. But um, you know, so I could see if he went for the hearing for bail and it was denied, then I can see him taking himself out if he didn't want to spend a year in jail waiting for a trial. Yeah, but not a few days before. That makes no sense. In all the in your conversations with him and in your conversations with the people who were in contact with him in the final weeks of his life, was there any indication at all that he was suicidal at any point? No, I had no conversations with him once he was arrested. I, yes. I spoke to him the day before he was arrested. And he actually called me from Paris, just the usual, you know, how you doing kind of phone call. And the next day, his attorneys called me and told me he was arrested. And that was the last time I spoke with him. I didn't yes. speak to him or see him while he was in jail. But having spoken to his lawyers and, and people whom he communicated with from jail, did anybody say that he seemed suicidal? No, everybody was shocked that it was a suicide. Nobody thought he was going to kill himself. Nobody thought he would do that. So what's interesting is that the Attorney General of the United States at the time, Attorney General Barr, uh, said publicly and then wrote in his memoir that he had concluded conclusively that this was a suicide based on two pieces of evidence. One, the medical examiner, the, the person who performed the autopsy declared it a suicide, which is a lie. That didn't happen. And two, because he had viewed the videotape at the entrance to the tier, to the cell block where your brother was being held. What do you make of that explanation? Well, when, when I heard Barr's statement that he said he personally saw the videotape and he concluded it was a suicide because nobody went in or out, I, that's when it hit me that he's covering this up because there's two sort of fallacies in that. One, I thought, why is the Attorney General of the United States, who I imagine to be a busy guy, why is he personally watching the videotape? Couldn't he have two people in his office watch the videotape and say, hey, Bill, nobody went in or out? You know, wouldn't that suffice? And two, to assume that somebody could get to that door, go inside, you know, kill somebody, get out completely undetected is just ridiculous because I believe there are six levels of security right. before you get to that door. So to assume that somebody could do it that way is crazy. And any third rate investigator will tell you that, you know, there was anywhere from seven to 14 people on the other side of that door, on the tier, that could have killed somebody. Right. And I had been told from another source, I've been getting a lot of information from all sources, that cell doors were left unlocked that night. I don't know how many cell doors or whose cell doors, but if, if cell doors were left unlocked, then somebody could have went into Jeff's cell, killed him, went back into their cell, undetected. Now, in the Justice Department uh, report, it says that from three cells, you could see Jeff's cell door. But if you look at the photographs of the tier, there's tiny windows in the cell doors. So in order to see Jeff's cell door from another cell, you'd have to be standing at that window inside the other cells in the middle of the night looking towards Jeff's cell. And if somebody crept low beneath the height of that window, you wouldn't see them. So the fact that, you know, to say that he could be seen from three other cells and they didn't see anything, well, chances are the other prisoners were sleeping in those cells if they had nothing to do with it. So again, it, it, it's just like a cover-up line. Right. So in other words, the Attorney General said that nobody moved on to the cell block, according to the videotape, but that is irrelevant because if your brother was murdered, he was almost certainly murdered by someone who was already on the cell block. Exactly. Right. So um, given that, and it's obvious and logical when you think about it for about 10 seconds, the identities of the other inmates on that cell block are critical 
Your yes. brother was alone in his cell. Right. Um, so any one of those inmates could have killed your brother. Do we know who they were? No, I can't find out who they were. It's, uh, there was anywhere, there were seven other cells, each with one or two people in them. Yes. Which means there's either anywhere from seven to 14 people other than my brother on the tier at right. night. I don't know who they are. or I, I know one, that guy, Tataglioni, who was Jeff's cellmate for a while. Uh, he was there, and he was there for a long time. So uh, if, if Jeff was killed, it's a possibility that somebody was planted in there. Cell doors were left unlocked. And then, from what I understand, a number of prisons were transferred off of that tier after the death. So if somebody was planted, he killed Jeff, and a day or two later, he's transferred out, and he disappears into the ether. I don't know who the prisoners were. I'd like to find out who they are, and where are they now? So there's, of course, a record of this. These are federal inmates in a facility run by the Department of Justice, the Bureau of Prisons overseen by the Department of Justice. So it's not like nobody knows who they were. Now they have to have a record. Right. Sure. But they will not release that to you. I haven't been able to get anything. Right. Let's go down um, the chain of documents that might explain this mystery. Um, so the first would be the records of the first responders, the EMTs, who arrived at the scene and moved your brother's body from the cell to... No, that's what I had thought, but when I spoke to an EMT, when they got to the prison, Jeff was already in the infirmary. They, the prison people moved him to the infirmary, which they were not supposed to do, because when he was found, he was clearly dead. The autopsy showed he was dead for at least two hours before he was found. So at that point, they're supposed to leave the body and call the medical examiner's office so they can come, take photographs, do the initial testing, whatever they do when they find a dead body. But that wasn't done. They moved him to the infirmary. And uh, they moved his corpse to the infirmary, but notified nobody else. Well, a 911 call was made to get the EMTs, and we can't get a copy of the 911 call, which is, you know, we hear 911 calls for all sorts of other cases. This one seems to be missing. Uh, when they got there, he was in the infirmary, and he was clearly dead because, like I said, he had been dead for two hours. And there was a photograph of him being wheeled out of the prison where he was intubated you know, squeezing an air bulb to try yes. to get, you know, so I was questioning why are they trying to put, you know, pump in to a, into a clearly dead body? You know, were they trying to make it look like he was alive so that he could be declared dead in the hospital? Because what, what I've been told normally when they find dead bodies in the prisons, they want to ship them to the hospital. So they're declared dead in the hospital because like an unwritten rule is nobody dies in prison. They don't want to deal with it. So you ship him to the hospital where he's declared dead. And when I questioned the EMT uh, why they were intubating him, I said, because he was dead for at least two hours. Uh, the response I got was, how do you know that? It was a kind of a strange response, but I knew that from the autopsy. So we don't know who moved him out of the cell. No, the, no person has come forward to say, I moved this corpse from the cell. No, but, but I was also told that in the infirmary and in the hospital, there was somebody with a handheld video camera all the time running, videotaping everything. Where are those tapes? That's another question. Despite the fact that your brother was dead in his cell and had been dead for two hours. At, somebody, least, at least two hours. At least two hours. Yeah. Somebody cut off his clothing and redressed the corpse 
in hospital scrubs in a gown. Yeah, I have a photograph of him uh, in a hospital gown on a gurney in a hospital where, you know, his arms were put through the sleeves. It's one of those gowns you tie in the back. So the question becomes, you know, who decided to dress a dead body in a hospital gown? Normally, they're either in a body bag or covered in it by a sheet. So That's bizarre. Yes. And four and a half years later, you have no answers at all on none. any of these questions. None. None. And I've tried to get the, the PCR report or the ACR report, which is the report that the EMTs fill out on every call they make. It's just their record keeping system. And these are filed with the fire department. And uh, as this video I sent you showed, they have no record of it. So there are essentially no records of what happened at all. There's no videotape. The cameras were broken. The guards who are supposed to be keeping watch were asleep. They were convicted of lying, but then they were pardoned by a judge later, apparently. And one still works for the federal government? I believe so, yes. Um, I tried to talk to the guards. They, I couldn't get to them. I tried to contact them through their attorneys, and I couldn't get to them. Um, okay, so then there was famously an investigation into this overseen by the Department of Justice's head investigator. Where's that? Well, they came out with a report, you know, a few months ago. And uh, for four years, we've been trying to find out what position his body was in when it was found. And we couldn't get an answer to that either. But in the report, it described how he was found. It said that he was in a seated position with his legs extended in front of him and he was hanging from the top bunk. So if you if you picture that, you know, uh, basically all of his body weight or most of his body weight was hanging by this noose around his neck or the ligature around his neck. He had some weight on his feet, but the bulk of his 180 some odd pounds was hanging. Uh, and they said when they cut him down or tore him down, his buttocks was an inch or an inch and a half above the ground. Again, which means his body weight was on his neck. Now, if somebody's hanging like that, the, the noose or ligature would, would ride up high on the neck and go high behind your ears to, to where it was tied to. But uh, the autopsy photographs show that the ligature mark on Jeff's neck is in the middle of his neck and, and goes straight back as if someone put a rope around his neck and strangled him like Carlo in The Godfather in the car. Or yeah. the electrical cord to his Or the electrical machine. cord or, or whatever was there. But it doesn't look like the fabric from a bed sheet. So if um, it seems clear just from the photographs right. of his autopsy that he was strangled with, say, a cord, wouldn't you test that cord for his DNA? Yeah, nobody knows, seems to know where that is. Also, the way they said he was hanging, and again, he had to be there for at least two hours. When you die, the blood in your body settles to the, gravity takes the blood down to the lowest parts of your body, and they become blotchy from the uh, blood pooling under the skin. So the back of his legs and his buttocks should have what's called lividity. They should have this blotchiness, like bruising, uh, look on the back of his legs and his buttocks. Autopsy photographs show that his legs are clean and clear. So he couldn't have been hanging that way for more than, you know, for two plus hours. He'd have blood pooling in his legs. But that's not the case. So did the report explain the discrepancies from the autopsy, that bones in his neck were broken that are not seen in hangings, but are seen in strangulations. Those broken bones are not, they're seen in strangulations, but because he had three bones, it's also from uh, 
karate chop to the neck will break bones like that. And that seems to be what I've spoken to military people, a preferred way of killing people is you karate chop them in the neck really hard, you collapse their windpipe, and that disorients them and incapacitates them. And then usually they just break their neck or you can strangle them. So the, the breaks in his neck are more consistent with a karate chop than a soft, what's called a soft hanging. You know, when you tie something around your neck and you sit down or hang yourself from something soft, like, you know, unfortunately, Robin Williams or Andre, you know, the, uh, Bourdain, was it, who killed himself? Anthony Bourdain. Right, those are soft hangings, as opposed to, you know, Brooks in the Shawshank Redemption who stood on a chair and sort of jumped off. That's a hard hanging. That will snap the bones in your neck. But that wasn't what happened with Jeff. So Dr. Michael Bodden, who participated or was present at the autopsy, mm -hmm. um, has participated in like over a thousand autopsies of prison deaths. I have never seen three fractures like this in a suicidal hanging. Going over over a thousand jail hangings, suicides in the New York City State prisons over the past 40, 50 years, no one had three fractures. His fairly firm conclusion is that this was not a suicide. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. He was holding off on that determination, pending determination of how the body was found, which we finally, now that they say the way the body was found, it just only shows that it was not that way. The autopsy shows it's not that way, which further convinced Dr. Bodden that this was not a, a hanging, not a suicide. So, um, Here's what we wind up with at the end of all this. We wind up with a high-profile inmate in the most secure federal facility in the country's largest city who was somehow murdered, clearly with the knowledge of the Justice Department and the Attorney General of the United States lies about it, which he did. And there's no reason to do that except to cover up the crime. So what, is that, what does that tell us about this? Oh, it's a scary thought that you could be killed in prison by the government. Yeah. Because again, my life would have been a lot easier if he committed suicide. I could have put it behind me. But uh, it's obviously, it's obvious at this point in time that he was, it was not a suicide. And so it means somebody killed him. So who killed him and why? Right. So in talking to all the people around him or people who were connected with him in one way or another in the final weeks of his life, have you detected a fear in those people in talking about this? Uh, no, not really. I don't think they're fearful of anything. I was the one getting the death threats, not, not them. I don't think they did. Why were you getting death threats? Well, when Jeff died, people tried to link me to his activities in some way, shape or form. Uh, Again, I, I had not seen Jeff for seven years prior to his death. We were in communication. We spoke, we emailed, but we lived two different lives. So I didn't know his inner circle and he didn't know mine. Uh, but people tried to link us, tried to link me to his activities. And I was, getting, I was in contact with the, with the FBI and the New York Police Department about the death threats. And I had, at times, had armed guards. When I went to the autopsy, I had armed guards with me to protect myself. From whom? From whoever killed Jeff. But anyone who could murder someone in a federal detention facility obviously has a lot of power. Yeah, well, I was trying to protect myself as best as I could. Yeah. Hmm. 
Do you fear for, I notice you're not appearing on camera. You've asked not to appear on camera. Yeah, I just, I don't want to be recognized. I travel a lot and there's no need for me. This is not about me. This is about Jeff's death. Did you have any inkling at all that your brother was involved in anything that might get him killed by a government? No, no. Like I said, I wasn't involved with his day-to-day -day life, you know, and, uh, you know, his troubles he had with the charges with the girls was from the early two, you know, 2006 is when he first got into trouble and he uh, spent time in jail for that. Well, that's, that, that's a question that's occurred to me. I mean, he went through all this, whatever you think of it, um, and then he was charged again for the same for the same things, effectively. Right. I mean, from what I understand, that was going. He had a non-prosecution agreement right. with the federal government on that when he made his plea deal. Uh, so he believed he was safe from further prosecution. And then he flew home from Paris in July, and they arrested him on the same charges. And his, I believe, his defense was going to be, well, hey. You know, I have a non-prosecution agreement with the federal government. And supposedly they say, well, that was like the Southern District or some area. Well, as far as I know, we have one federal government. And if you make a deal with the federal government, it covers the entire country. Has it occurred that maybe the point of rearresting him on the same charges was to get him into a facility where he could be killed? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've shied away from speculating about all of this. You know, I, I try to stick with the facts, but that's a possibility. Um. Do you think other governments might have been involved in this, not just the U.S. government? Uh, I, I would, on the surface, say no. I don't see why. I mean, again, I don't know what he was doing day to day. So, you know, again, that's speculation, which I don't want to do. But I don't think so. You know, on the surface, I don't see why. Um, what information are you still seeking about his death? Well, who were the prisoners on that ward? that night. How long were they there for? Now, if somebody was on that ward for, you know, a long time, like his roommate, then, you know, obviously he, they weren't planted there, you know, two years ago to kill Jeff then. So who was transferred onto that ward in the week or two before he was killed? And, and where are they now? Where were they transferred to? Were these real prisoners or was it a plant? Have you asked the Inspector General at the Department of Justice? We asked all these questions, yes, way back when. And, and we get no answer. Yeah, after a thorough investigation, we've determined it was a suicide. But no one's given you any details. After a careful investigation, we've determined it was a suicide. What, That's what I was getting from them. I'm doing to you what they were doing to me. What's your next move? Well, I'm still trying to find the information. I have you know, FOIAs out to try to get the medical reports, to try to get the 911 call, and just to get people thinking about this. People shouldn't, like you said, sh people shouldn't uh, be complacent with the fact that somebody was killed in a federal prison under federal protection. Yeah, and officials at the very highest levels are lying about it. Yeah, and people should be aware of that. Whether we ever figure out exactly what happened, I don't know, but... Uh, I don't want people to think he committed suicide because that's not the case. Mark Epstein, thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. That was interesting. Uh, it's, uh, if you don't mind, thank my goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Hold on a second. <laughs> I don't want to steamroll you. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. You're forgiven. I don't want to dismiss you. Okay. You said that's interesting. Yeah. And I was about to say, well, that's an understatement. And then just, you know, and then, then I get hate mail. You're mean to her. <laughs> um, let me, let me uh, reframe that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, we have a situation here where a murder, okay, investigation should have taken place. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and because it was not, and nobody was held to account, the swift decision to call it a suicide, ending the investigation, mm -hmm. right, tells me, first and foremost, I'm going to say this, it, it, it um, you know, it's a conspiracy theory only, but it's pretty well informed. Okay. Uh, nobody went to trial. You notice that, right? Yes. Nobody. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the uh, corrections officers, the COs, that were convicted of lying, okay, mm -hmm. all the information in their trials was boxed out. There was no other information as to what did you say? You lied, and then they were pardoned. So not even the convicted liars, okay, that misspoke were convicted of anything. Why? Uh, because there is nobody, that I, okay, the reason why nobody's been convicted is because there is no body of a person that ultimately died. Mm -hmm. There's no evidence. Everything has been scrubbed. All of the information. Okay, let, let, me, let me tell you this. Both autopsies said, both autopsy, sorry, both coroners that were present for the autopsy said it was not suicide. That decision was overridden by somebody that wasn't even there. And that was the chief pathologist. So Dr. Roman was there and said mm -hmm. it wasn't a suicide. Right. Uh, Michael Bodden was there and said it wasn't a suicide. And mm -hmm. said that the three broken bones in a thousand autopsies he's done with prisoners, he's never, ever seen from a hanging and a suicide, three broken bones in that fashion, ever, in a thousand autopsies. But he said, no suicide. It was not suicide. But the chief pathologist, Barbara Sampson, overrode that and said, based on his previous attempt to commit suicide, that I'm determining that it was a suicide. And then come to find out that mm -hmm. previous attempt wasn't even true. Correct. David Schoen, I believe him, that he said that, that there was no previous uh, attempt at suicide, that he was attacked, okay? So the final determination by the chief pathologist who wasn't at the autopsy said it was suicide because of a previous attempted suicide that didn't exist. Okay, are you guys tracking me here? The EMTs in a homicide investigation were never interviewed. And of all of the anomalies, and 
no interviews and overriding the two pathologists that were there, okay, that the DOJ's response is that after a thorough investigation, it was determined that it was suicide. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even a thorough investigation. So even they lie to the public. Their public statement is that after a thorough investigation, it was deemed to be a suicide. And that's a lie. It wasn't even a thorough investigation. Somebody who has a bail hearing in two days does not commit suicide. Right. You're about to get out, possibly, even Mm -hmm. if you've got a 1% chance of getting out. Yeah, and remember, he was attacked. He was attacked, okay. In jail right before that. It does not make sense that even if you were suicidal, Mm-hmm. Okay, at the possibility of being held, that you're going to kind of hold off a little bit because you might be released in a couple days. Mm-hmm. Even if you were suicidal. Right. Nobody said that there was any indication that he was suicidal. That's, you know, sometimes that happens because typically the people that reach out say that they're suicidal are reaching out for help. Mm-hmm. Okay. The video, okay, of the area that was looked at in and out, AG Barr, the attorney general, looked at it. Why was he involved? A. B, the area he was looking at was the least likely place for somebody to get in there and kill him because they had to pass through so many security checkpoints, Mm -hmm. okay, those barriers. But on the other side of that, There were people in cells where their doors were left open. And guess what? There's no record of any of those prisoners, who they are and where they went. You can't even interview them. But the DOJ says that there was a thorough investigation. Right. Except they didn't talk to any of the prisoners, some of Mm -hmm. whom had their doors open. (laughs) Interesting, right? Like I said. That was interesting. Yeah, no records of the prisoners in the unit have been released. He was moved to the infirmary, all right? He was moved to the infirmary. But he was supposedly there for two hours. And there was no lividity. And I know what lividity is as an EMT. Um You can tell generally that a person's been dead a while, you know, hour plus, because the blood starts going. Actually, it's actually kind of gross. If somebody's Mm -hmm. laying on the floor, let's say they're an elderly, and you know, you do a wellness check, the police come in, they look, oh, there's an elderly elderly person, you know, on the ground. Really, the like the backside, the whole backside, it's it's almost purple. Okay, Their, your skin is flush, you know, white because the the blood is no longer pumping around; it's not being pushed through. So it naturally just gravitates by gravity to the back. Your whole backside is purple. Okay, that happens pretty quickly when your heart stops. Um, that didn't exist. Two hours, you would have had his, you know, his buttocks and his and his legs, and there was no evidence of that. You ready? Mm-hmm. Why was 
why would they take a dead person who was in the cell, move them to the infirmary, and pictures were taken of Epstein in the hospital with a hospital gown on? Why? Mm-hmm. Why would you remove a dead person's prison clothing and put them in a hospital gown? I think he, yeah, I think he explained how what he thought they did that was because, you know, because of the optics of the whole thing. And it is a golden rule in a jail or in a prison that nobody dies in prison. You don't announce them dead until they get to a hospital and you get the body to the hospital and you let them pronounce it. Right. Hmm. Yeah. You know what oh, you that doesn't you know, make it right. But well, no. Well, you a, know, you know what happens is, let's say you're administering advanced life support first mm-hmm. aid, and you do CPR, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't change their clothes. Mm-hmm. You, you don't. Yeah. There's, there's no such thing. Especially as that. something. You know what happens? Like that. I used to carry as an EMT a pair of medical scissors, mm-hmm. and guess what? What happened? You cut their clothes off. Cut their clothes off. I've never, mm-hmm. I've done CPR as an EMT when I was a, you know, I was with a, a volunteer um, and it was a, a advanced life support. Um, mm-hmm. We had everything. We had paramedics. We, I mean, I've done CPR on people a lot and I've never changed anyone's clothing. Correct. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. As a matter of fact, their clothing gets ripped off mm-hmm. and you just cut them right up the middle. Boom, fast, spread their clothing, right? Mm -hmm. Get their chest ready to go for for paddles, right? Mm -hmm. If you have to defibrillate. Well, the answer to uh, Epstein's brother was, you know, we performed CPR. They did all of that. And on a body that was clearly dead for hours. And he... Had a big question they about in, that. They intubated. Yes. Right. There's no intubation for somebody that's been dead for two hours. No. 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 As a matter of fact, the declaration of death can be held off, but you can opt not to do CPR because of certain signs, right? Well, I but mean, if he was dead for two hours, clearly... Mm-hmm. When they walked in, they assessed that and said, "Oh, he's so been so, gone a long so what? Time. So what do we he, have? Rigor what do we have had said it. Yeah, yes. What what do we have? What do we have here? All right, it's one of two possibilities. All right, and the first one now, I'm raising to the highest level. You ready? Um, Jeffrey Epstein may not even be dead. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't know that." We don't know. I Everything is missing and that. nobody, and no one's been, that's going to be the top level. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know um, because nobody, if he were in fact dead and he were murdered, mm-hmm. there would be a murder investigation, right? Yeah. So the possibility that he was murdered is the secondary option, but nobody was interviewed and the thorough investigation wasn't conducted well here's the thing so his brother says Mm. that he went to the hospital Mm. and viewed his brother's body 
and said it was him. So. There you go. He did view his body. Yes. And he didn't have a soft uh, hanging indication. The ligature on his mm -hmm. neck, it was a hard one, meaning, and right. we, we've seen pictures of his neck. Mm -hmm. That's a, a ligature that is, and I've seen, uh, yeah, that's another, uh, I've learned a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned a lot. Um, yeah. Just because when I was with the laser manufacturer doing forensic identification, you could, you, you know, it's so meticulous, okay, when someone dies and, and there's suspicious circumstances. Yeah. Um, you can take a light source, okay, or an alternate light source, basically, uh, you shine a light on, let's say, their their neck. If there was a cloth that was used, it leaves fibers, very, very tiny fibers. Right. And they fluoresce. Yeah. Believe it or not, using a certain wavelength of light. Sure. So you can actually show that it was a cloth ligature versus plastic or a chain or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, you can just about match up like a almost like a fingerprint. I mean, it's not that forensically perfect, mm -hmm. but the type of ligature that's used, like let's say you use a chain link, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can see the indentations, all right? When you shine the light on the person's skin, um, you, there's like little pools of blood there, right? Mm -hmm. A bruising. Yes. So you can see if there were links and you match that up if there's a, a chain link sitting on the floor, you can say that person was choked with that chain link. Sure. Uh, or there were fibers. I don't even those, think they did that though, did they? The no, they did nothing. Yeah. They did no, now listen, I, I'm, they did no forensics whatsoever. La ladies and gentlemen, um, I am, uh, actually I have an associate's degree from Cal state long beach. I'm a certified crime scene investigator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Period. There is, no such thing as not collection of, uh, you, there's no such thing as not collecting evidence. Especially in a situation but, where such a high profile prisoner and they had been, at, and he had been attacked mm. just like a week before. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you, I, I mean, it's, there's, I'm with his listen, brother. This is unimaginable the, that the, it went down like that. The determination of death for the, uh, for the coroner, right? Because if you haven't conducted an autopsy yet, right, you would mm -hmm. have to collect evidence, okay? You have to collect it. You collect mm -hmm. the evidence, and then they match that up with what they found in the autopsy. Right. Okay? Yep. And you have to match the two. There's no such thing, zero such thing. Like, if you say, oh, it could have been suicide or it could have been, you can make determinations like that, but the autopsy will determine and make the final determination as to what the cause of death was, but mm -hmm. it has to match up with the evidence. Yeah. And there was no evidence collection. Right. There wasn't any. Mm -hmm. There's no fibers. There's no. So his brother says mm. that um, from the pictures that he has viewed that his brother, uh, that Jeffrey Epstein had a sheet or some kind of clothing or something tied material tied to the top bunk and he was over the edge of the bottom bunk right in a sitting position mm. where his feet were barely touching the floor 
That was the state of the body. When, his butt. No, his his legs were like out, like an L lang. Yes. Know, like an L. His butt was about an inch and a half off the his ground. His butt. That's it. Right. His ass was, and his and his legs were in an L shape. Correct. Yeah. So how does this impact everybody? Like what? what well, you got to look at the characters who are involved in here. Well, Bill Barr came in immediately. Let me let me tell you who who like why everybody needs to be concerned. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy was at the level of committing crimes against humanity. Mm -hmm. Okay. This guy was abusing children and all of his blackmail subjects. Okay. Were using that those crimes against children mm -hmm. as blackmail mm -hmm. and leverage because he was part of the Intel services, the FBI and the CIA Okay, the FBI, where are they in the invest? The Federal Bureau of what? What in, where is their investigation? Mm -hmm. Where's their investigative material? Uh, maybe they had a conflict of interest and had to stay out of it because Jeffrey Epstein was their asset. Mm -hmm. So once again, now we have the Intel services who used Epstein and all those crimes that were being committed. This is such a major national security level event where our Intel services uh, have co-opted the likes of people like, mm -hmm. let me name a couple. You ready? Yeah. Uh, who is Bill Richardson? And when was he mentioned in any of the documents? Because he was all over the Lolita Express. How come Bill Richardson's name has never been mentioned? Mm -hmm. Where's his name? Yeah. Where is he in the documents? Yeah. Bill Richardson has Q level Q level, you know what Q level is, right? It's high security clearance. The highest. Why? Because at the Department of Energy, they control all of our nuclear arsenal. Mm -hmm. That that guy was literally diddling children, right? With the highest security level. Yeah. And the FBI is covering that crap up. So the FBI controls. The guy with Q-level clearance at the Department of Energy, right? Because mm -hmm. we'll make that stuff go away, right? Right. They control the presidency. Uh, well, don't worry about it, Joe. We'll make that stuff go away. We just need a new building. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, do you understand? Who it is... is. Who, guess who your president is, ladies and gentlemen? Your president is the FBI and the CIA. That's who runs this country. And numerous other intel agencies, right? Sure, it's the, whatever. It's but ultimately, the intel apparatus. Yeah, that yeah, has but been. we can go that far, right? So Seven, a, so seventeen agencies. Computer, so it's a bunch of AI computers. That's where we're going here. That are going to run that run this country. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, guess what? What What do we do about all of this? What what do we do about all this? There's a group of individuals, uh, and we're going to say, uh, especially at the command level, right, that have gotten together and said enough is enough. Remember the letter that I, I read the other day on the air. Remember that letter? Um, mm -hmm. That letter, I actually got it from, uh, from Colonel Brad Miller, okay? And as soon as it was published, I, I read it. Um, there are the exact number of them. We're going to get that update from them because retired, we'll say retired, 
by force. Because he refused to get the injection, of course. Colonel Miller, I'm going to call him Colonel, serving our nation right now uh, and upholding his constitutional oath that never expires and his commission never expires. But he's going to be joining me to talk about what we have before us here. A declaration, it's called an open letter to the American people from signatories of this declaration of military accountability. Okay. We have a system and I just described it. We have an Intel services right now that's been involved in the cover up of an entity. All right. Uh, that was abusing children and some of our most powerful people at the top of the food chain were involved in that, but were compromised with blackmail. I can't think of a, a higher national security concern. Okay. In that regard. Now, now we need to address the fact that, uh, at the command level, and I'm going to go so far as to say this, and he's going to be, he's waiting to comment here in just a couple minutes after I go to the break, but People getting promoted at the highest levels, at the general grade, are typically, they have to surrender their quote-unquote collateral, okay? There were 5,000 Pentagon officials that were found to have had child pornography on their, com on their computers. I still have that document. I can pull it up. I don't need to, though. But you can't pass the threshold to get to military leadership without having that level of co-optability, okay? Mm -hmm. So who are they serving at the point when a bioweapon is released and the CIA is involved in covering that up and there's forced vaccinations down to the lower ranks? These are the people that have leverage over their head by people like Jeffrey Epstein and others. So our military has been absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, co-opted and overthrown. But fear not because we have millions of veterans all the way down to the enlisted ranks that are going to be called upon to sign a petition, right? And to say, let's go, let's get you guys in, go to Congress, take care of business. Let's start bringing court marshals. Hmm. Let's do it. We can do this legally. We can do it lawfully. We can do it constitutionally. Absolutely. We have the power to do that. And that declaration was sent to our military by a group of individuals who you're going to hear about um, with, uh, with Colonel Miller. He's going to be, uh, joining me here. Is it Lieutenant Colonel or Colonel? It's Colonel, right? Is it Colonel or Lieutenant Colonel? Light Colonel. We'll find out here in just a second. I say light Colonel, light <laughs> Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel. All right. Um, he's my Colonel. I just promoted him. Okay. I just promoted him. There you go. So he's going to be joining me here. Everybody stay right there. We're going to take a short break. I went Commercial uninterrupted all the way through because I wanted you to hear the full uh, Tucker Carlson interview with Jeffrey Epstein's brothers, probably as close as you can get uh, to knowing what the details were. So everybody stay right there. We will be back in just a few minutes. All right. Don't go away. Let's go, Brandon.
to form a more perfect union, to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States. I'm excited to announce that we're bringing back our best offer ever on our original My Slippers. You save $90 a pair with your promo code. And now My Slippers come in even more sizes smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all new styles and colors. Get them for your friends, your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. What makes My Slippers different is my exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make Make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve stress on your feet. I'm so confident that you and everyone you know are going to love my slippers that I'm extending my 60-day money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now. Use your promo code to save $90. That's only $49.98 a pair. Quantities won't last long, so please order now. Are you prepared for life's unexpected twists and turns? Lockdowns, natural disasters, power outages, or any situation that makes it tough to get your hands on a good meal. Time waits for no one, and neither do emergencies. PetePrepStore.com is the ultimate in long-term emergency food preparedness and supplies. You're not just buying food, you're buying peace of mind. Our meals are designed to be nutritious, delicious, and have a 25-year shelf life. Yes, you heard that right. 25 years. We source high-quality non-GMO ingredients and use advanced freeze-drying technology to lock in taste and nutrients. Forget last-minute runs to the grocery store. Pete Prep Store is a click away and delivers right to your doorstep. Why risk the well-being of you and your loved ones? With Pete Prep Store, you're always prepared. Make the smart choice today. Visit PetePrepStore.com and place your order today. This isn't just food, it's your lifeline in times of crisis. Don't wait for an emergency to prepare. Be proactive. PetePrepStore.com. Be prepared. Be secure. Be ready. Always. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Okay, ladies and gentlemen.
gentlemen. That was a pretty intense uh, first hour. And let's go ahead and uh, kick it up a notch because, you know, every, everyone can appreciate that it's pretty frustrating, you know, that this uh, Department of Justice or Intel Services, blah, blah, blah. I mean, every single institution of our government up and down that we entrust with, you know, law enforcement and national security has been over. So that's pretty uh, stressful for we, the people who are, you might be a plumber, you're swinging a hammer, you're listening to my voice right now and you say, what do we do? What do we do? We know exactly what to do. We are the front line of defense in our nation and always have been. All the other stuff as far as their authorities and Washington, D.C. have been delegated to them. Uh, Brad Miller, keep wanting to call him Lieutenant Colonel Brad Miller, but uh, Brad Miller graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point in 2003 and then served 19 years on active duty in the United States Army. During his military career, he served throughout the United States uh, as well as in diverse locations such as Afghanistan. Honduras, South Korea. He was relieved of battalion command for refusing to go along with the COVID-19 injection mandate. He subsequently resigned from the army. He has a wide variety of interests, which include history, literature, and other assorted topics, but he champions freedom and is an outspoken critic of government overreach. And I would have to say this, uh, He's not alone in that. I mean, and I'm going to say most veterans are very outspoken critics of, of government overreach. But uh, I consider him to be, I mean, it's a heroic move to resign your commission in protest, really, at that point. Um, because as a civilian, um, uh, then you can really be outspoken. But, you know, your role... Uh, at the command level, um, you, you kind of have to keep your mouth shut. But uh, uh, Colonel Miller, I, I, I don't know if you know where I'm going with that. Uh, that's a heroic move, and it's also the right thing to do. I mean, if you're going to be wearing the uniform, uh, you know, you have to follow the chain of command. But at what point when you can't follow the chain of command do you say, I need to take myself out of the chain of command, right? Is that true? Yeah, so th that's kind of the situation that I found myself in. So, um, as you mentioned, I was a lieutenant colonel in the army. I had uh, I ended up serving for 19 years, three months, and 15 days of active service, and I saw myself in a situation where, um, due primarily to the COVID shot mandate. But I mean, there there have been a lot of times throughout my career where I had started to kind of see that you know what, I don't know exactly what my role is because. Um, because it's it's difficult for me to see myself going with kind of where the government is going. That 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 distrust of uh, kind of where our government is at had been building for years, but the uh, but the the COVID shot mandate is where I finally said I cannot go along with this. And and, I, and I'll tell you why. Let me explain it because people let me make sure people understand exactly where I was coming from to then understand where I am now. Yes, I felt like I was in a situation where I was being asked to choose between loyalty to an organization the army or, or perhaps better stated loyalty to people who are running this organization or loyalty to my oath to the constitution because here's what people need to understand we always talk about military service as being service to country 
Well, there's, let me give a caveat to that. It's actually service to the government, and it's only service to country in as much as your government is serving the country. So when you have a functional Republican form of government, like the one that you know was formed two and a half centuries ago, then by serving in the military, you are serving the country. But when your government is no longer in service to the country, or when your government seems to be standing kind of, you know, oppositional to the um, to what's going on, you know, the interests of the people, then at some point you got to ask yourself, well, am I standing with the country? Am I standing with the government? Because those two are not necessarily synonymous. So, so I found myself in this um, paradoxical situation where I actually felt like in order for me to fulfill my oath to the Constitution and thereby you know, remain loyal to the country as strange as it may appear, yeah. I'm actually going to have to take off the uniform because I feel like I can actually do more for the country out of uniform than in. So I found myself in that weird situation, felt like I'd been backed into a corner and, uh, and I ultimately resigned. I resigned and I walked away. And, and, you know, sometimes I tell people, yeah, you know, I gave up whatever the remainder of my career would have been. You know, I got, I got fired from my battalion command position. Um, you know, I didn't get a retirement pension because I didn't make it to 20 years. That's true. I gave all those things up. But the way I look at it is, you know, I left the service with my oath to the Constitution intact, with my integrity intact. Yes. So then fast forward a little bit through time. I've been very outspoken over the last year or, or, or 15 months or so since I got out of the military. Um, but, you know, fast forward and then you get to where we are now, kind of kicking off 2024 with this latest project that, you know, that, that some of us are involved in. You know, if you don't mind, by the way, I opened up the way I opened and the way I described it, you articulated it very well, but I was pretty spot on, right? I was recognizing that, you know, you at the command level, I mean, it's like a, not necessarily a betrayal, but you can't be bucking the system. You need to have that chain of command and you at the command level, you really couldn't even really speak out in opposition to it and protect the constitutional rights of everybody in the military. If you're in that chain of command, it's just, it, it, it's, it's almost like oil and water. So you separated yourself so that you could uphold the constitution and fight the fight without disrupting your obligations as a commander. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Wow. So pretty good for an enlisted guy. Right. Well, yeah, but here's, here's what I would say though, is, um, hmm. you know, there are people who are currently serving that are speaking out. Now that is, that is tricky. And that is, that is somewhat risky, yeah. um, but you have individuals who they're still in uniform. They, they want to continue to serve. They just have a lot of problems with um, yeah. the, you know, the, the higher officials that they are serving under, yeah. you know, they, they, and, and I would say the same thing about myself. I have nothing against the armed forces as an institution. Yes. You know I mean? I'm, I'm very proud to be a West Point graduate. I'm very proud to have served 19 years in the army. I would have served, you know, at least a couple of years longer. I had kind of told myself, as I got to that point, you know, before I ended up resigning, I had kind of told myself, well, you know, I can see myself doing a couple more and maybe, you know, maybe doing about a total of 25 and then moving on and going to do something else. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would have gladly done a couple more years of service until, you know, I got to a situation where it's just like, I'm not serving the country. I'm serving um, a bunch of corrupt individuals who have infiltrated this institution, you know, to, to put it like that. Yeah. And not to be disparaging towards the military, but I'm upset in the following regard as a belligerent enlisted Marine. I have a problem and we're taught actually Marines are, I don't know if you 
know this about our culture to disobey an unconstitutional order period yeah. every right? everyone has thought that yes yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, in yes. that spirit okay it's upsetting to me that they're not now are yeah. they compartmentalized and sure absolutely that's all by design um you know their entire command structure and i believe that the upper echelon has been co-opted obama purged the military and just kept his loyalist and got rid of you know, and there's ways to do that. So he, he got rid of a lot of those that I think would have been uh, more helpful to protecting those in the lower ranks to, uh, you know, come forward and blow the whistle, per se. So let me back up a second now. Um, what was, if you don't mind me asking, what was your stance? There are people that uh, assert their religious um, exemption saying, hey, you know what? I'm really against injecting myself mm -hmm. with anything that has, wh whatever it may be, whatever your uh, your beliefs were uh, that caused you to not want to uh, take the jab. Uh, what was it that you said, ah, I'm just not going to do this and you're, you shouldn't force me because of this. What was it? Yeah, so I had, I did have strong religious objections. Um, I did not put in for a religious accommodation request. So let me explain the 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 apparent contradiction there but in my mind there's really not one so i never believed now i'm just telling you my personal opinion i never believed what we were told from day one about the whole COVID story not i'm not here to tell you that i had it all figured out or i knew what the the truth was i was just extremely skeptical from from day one mm -hmm. as we move through 2020 we move into 2021 there's all this talk about you know now these injections are coming out and so for me there was just never a question that i was gonna I, I was going to take those. Um, so then when the opportunity comes for me to either take the shot or not take the shot, but potentially put in for a religious accommodation request, um, I actually started to fill out the paperwork for the religious accommodation request. And then I just stopped and I said, no, I'm not going to do this. And here's why. It's not that I don't have strong religious objections to this. I do. But in my mind, and this is just my personal opinion. Other people think differently or went about it differently. And that's great. Um, I said, if I put in this religious accommodation request, then what I'm doing is I'm asking for an exception for myself. I don't uh -huh. want an exception for myself. I want this whole thing rescinded wholesale and reversed. Mm -hmm. You know, this thing should have never gone in in the first place. The other thing is I'm a battalion commander. So if I'm asking for an exception to myself, even if it were granted, which it likely would not have been because 99% of them were uh, disapproved, yeah. but if it were granted, now I've got an exception, but because I'm still in a command position, I still have to put out the order to soldiers of mine who may not want to take it to take it. I didn't want to do that either. Right. But but perhaps most importantly, the reason I didn't want to do it is because I didn't want to put forth the perception that, um, well, I agree that it's safe and I agree that it's effective and I agree that it's necessary. I just disagree with the way that the shots were produced, you know? Um, whether it be, you know, the fetal cell lines that a lot of people object to, et cetera. Right. But for me, it's like, hold on, I am not going to concede to you that the shots are safe or effective or necessary. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, I don't even necessarily get to the question as to how they were produced or, or the research was done to get to the production, et cetera. And again, not, that's an, not important because I do have those objections, but I'm not going to concede to you that they're safe or effective or even necessary. So uh, I just said, you know what, I'm a hard refusal. I'm not taking the shots and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Um, anyway, so I was relieved of command. And then a couple of months later, once it was 
painfully obvious that the the whole mandate was not only harmful but was clearly unlawful i just said you know what i don't i don't think i can be a part of uh where this organization is headed right now i i can't see myself coming to work every day and and working under individuals that in my mind um shouldn't be in their posts and uh and i don't feel confident working under now, sir, no disrespect. I just want to tell our listening audience that I wanted to, uh, them to hear your story. And each individual has their own story. But collectively, there's a group of individuals that have taken a constitutional stance. So, but this, sir, with all due respect, is not about you. This is Correct. about a group Correct. of individuals yep. that are stepping up, you included, on behalf of hundreds of thousands uh, if not, I mean, how many how many veterans are there that that would stand right with you? Veterans at multiple ranks. There's millions of us in the United States of America. So on their behalf, uh, how many? Two hundred and how many have? Separate so there are two hundred and thirty one signatories of the document that you're referring to. Yes, right. Now, I read this document. We'll attach a copy of the document. I just want to read the top line and then. Uh, the opener here, but uh, an open letter to the American people, okay, uh, from signatories of this declaration of military accountability. The course of human events sometimes becomes necessary to admonish the lawless, encourage the faint-hearted, and strengthen the weak. We've reached just such a time in our history. The affairs of our nation are now steeped in avaricious corruption. And our once stalwart institutions, including the Department of Defense, are failing to fulfill their moral obligations upon which we were founded. So standing upon our natural and constitutional rights, we hereby apprise the American people that we have exhausted all internal efforts to rectify recent criminal activity within the armed forces. That's the open right there. Yeah. yeah. But this is to the American people. 231 are stepping up on behalf of all veterans and ultimately all of the American people. So that's further extended above and beyond the veterans, right? And 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 even, even active duty, I mean, even on their behalf, because they're in a little bit more of a difficult situation. They don't have whistleblower protection. Now we've got a lot more information these days than we did early on when you were making your decision, don't we? And and you do have some active duty personnel who are signatories on that on that document, and they are assuming risk, but they're they're saying, hey, listen, you know, if I'm going to make good on the oath that I have taken, and if I care about my country, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the 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 Constitution and the way that the military should be run in adherence to that Constitution, then I got you know I got to sign this document. So there are individuals who have perhaps put themselves at the you know the most risk of their careers, et cetera, or some other type of you know uh, action taken against them potentially, you know. Um, but, but they're, they're, they're bold and they just say, you know, I have to do it. Here's what I think is happening. People are realizing that we are at a critical juncture in the, um, in the history of our nation. And so speaking of history, you know, you read the opening paragraph there. So if people are hearing that for the first time, if they hadn't had a chance to look at the document, you're hearing a document that kind of sounds like the declaration of independence It's kind of almost, it reads in that language that is deliberate. It is it is kind of patterned after the Declaration of Independence. And if you you know you read on down a little bit further, it it specifically mentions the Declaration of Independence. And then, of course, um, makes very explicitly clear that we're not looking for separation. But what we are doing is 
if you will, we're kind of outlining this this train of abuses, kind of like the the Declaration of Independence did. We're, we're calling out to the American people, hey, listen, there's some massive injustice that is being perpetrated, and we're going to call it out, and we need to fix this. And I'll tell you, here's why this is important. This document, again, it's called the Declaration of Military Accountability. This is completely apolitical. It's completely nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. This is a group of individuals, 231 to be exact, of which, you know, I am just one, who have said, it's not about political parties. This is not about any one administration or the other, et cetera. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there's time to talk about all that too, but this is very narrowly focused and it is, this is about getting back to the constitution and our framework of laws that already exist. All we're saying is the laws exist Um, Military regulations are very clear. They have not been followed. Why have they not been followed? Let's follow them. And oh, by the way, if we have to hold accountable those who have failed to carry out their uh, their duties and in some cases have committed, you know, wrongdoing, pretty significant wrongdoing, then, yeah, they got to be held accountable. Yeah. And the key thing is apolitical. Also, with that, do you um, agree from my perspective here is that there is a lot of evidence right now that exists that criminal culpability among the ranks exists. So we're talking about not, you know, it doesn't matter if you're for or against your anti-vax or for or your religious exemption. We're talking about evidence that exists of a criminal conspiracy. I'll use one example uh, outside of, you know, the force vaccinations. I have literally worked with people that have evidence of Anthony Fauci and Ralph Barrick communicating prima facie evidence of incorporating remdesivir into the COVID protocol, knowing full well it had a death rate of 54%. We're talking about killing people, knowing full right. well it was going to kill people. That is prima facie evidence of like premeditated murder to be investigated because when you have somebody that dies at a hospital because of their knowingly injecting this 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 death serum uh that's criminal conduct resulting in a death uh six hundred thousand now on a broader scale six hundred thousand americans have died because of the bioweapon uh and the subsequent jab itself six hundred thousand now now you're a you're a west point i'm going to throw back to you that was a big long-winded thing you're a West Point graduate, and you've studied the, the history of war. Uh, how many times have we lost? And we're going to skip this break. I want to spend time with you. Where we've lost 600,000 American souls, and we don't even talk about that. I mean, it's, I mean, in wars, uh, 600,000 people. This is a war, is it not, against humanity? It's a, I mean, it's an extremely significant number, and um, and the crimes that are rampant as as, as part of this are, are um, I mean, they're just, I mean, they're they're incredible, and all that has to be investigated. Um, now, with this declaration, just so people can kind of see what exactly is spoken about in the declaration, our de- the the focus of because I agree with you, like, there's a lot here that has to be investigated. Now, with the declaration, our focus was admittedly narrow. So we we right. talked just about 
the uh, the implementation of the injection mandate itself. Right, we right. kept it narrow to keep the language tight. Sure. When people notice when they see the document, it is just a one pager. And again, that doesn't mean that we don't think that there are, let me not speak for everybody who signed the document. Let right. me just talk about myself. Right. Um, do, do I personally believe that there are other problems out there? Sure. For sure. Do I believe that even in the military, that there are other problems out there besides just the injection mandate? Yes. Um, but in this in this declaration, we decided, okay, we're going to keep the, the, the frame narrow. Yes. And we're going to talk about not even everything that had to do with COVID, but we are going to talk about the implementation of the mandate because if someone... Let's say someone actually potentially agrees that the uh, that the shots are helpful. I don't necessarily know why someone would believe that, but just for the sake of argument, um, they might still admit for you that, oh, by the way, the mandate was still unlawful because it was. Um, so that's kind of why we kept the, uh, the the focus tight on our declaration. But for sure, I mean, right. we um, Americans are seeing a point, you know, kind of like I mentioned a couple minutes ago where hey, we have got to figure out how to fix some of our institutions. So what yes. we want to do is, is we want to say, hey, listen, we're, we're not trying to circumvent the Constitution. We're not trying to go outside the framework of laws. All we want to do is have those followed. Right. And we just want to try and fix our own house. Right. You know, kind of, it's almost a parallel effort to what's going on in other institutions across the country. That's, that's all we're looking for. And I'll tell you, um, you know, I mentioned how it's an apolitical document, and I mentioned how there's kind of this historical linkage that goes back to the Declaration of Independence. So mm -hmm. the voice that you're reading that document in, when when people, uh, if they want to go find the document, go to militaryaccountability.com. You can find the document, and then you can find an associated petition. Because everyone asks us, hey, can I sign the document, or how do I get involved? Mm -hmm. So go to militaryaccountability.com. Mm -hmm. You'll see the document. It's a one-pager. Then you'll see all the names of the signatories um, beneath the document, but then there's an associated petition and anybody can sign that petition, anybody and everybody. You do not have to have any affiliation to the military specifically whatsoever. You can sign the petition. We've already had thousands of people sign it. But um, kind of the, the, the voice that the document is written in, if people want to know who kind of came up with that language and who decided to link it back to the founding period and the Declaration of Independence specifically? Um, there is one person who kind of originally had the idea, and that was Rob Green. So if people are unfamiliar with Rob Green, he's a good friend of mine. He's uh, currently serving in the Navy on active duty. Uh, he's a commander in the Navy. He wrote a book a couple of months ago that came out appropriately enough on July 4th of last year. And it's called Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines. I just so happen to have a copy of it right here. Wow. So what, what I want people to understand is this document, yes, it surfaced on January 1st, but it didn't come out of you know the ether spontaneously. This is an idea that many people have had, but in this case, you know, it was Rob Green who puts together this book, which kind of tells the story of what service members have had to endure. Uh, because of the unlawful vax mandate, and it kind of shares those injustices that have been perpetrated against the, the service member from the perspective of the service member. I mean, Rob kind of details his story and then other service members' stories. But then, you know, several months later, as we get close to the end of the year, Rob decides to kind of take some of those ideas. And he's like, you know what, I think I think we need to produce an open letter to the American public. He puts some verbiage down. He socializes that with a kind of a, a, a core of other individuals of which I was one. 
we got together. We we um you know maybe maybe tweaked the language a little bit. We got it down to one page, and then we further socialized it with a slightly larger group. We ended up getting two hundred and thirty one um, total signatories, and at that point we said. Listen, let's hit the ground running for uh, for 2024, and therefore on New Year's Day, we're going to make sure this document hits the streets. And so that's what we did. It was decided that I would be the one to send a note to um, you know the senior officials in the Pentagon and let them know, hey, you know, senior senior officials, <laughs> this uh, this document is about to hit the streets. Now, again, you made a point that is extremely clear in the very beginning. This document is not addressed to the senior officials of the Pentagon. This document is addressed to the American people. It's us, the signatories, pledging to the American people that we are going to do everything within our, our power. Again, lawfully, we're going to do everything within our power lawfully to try and correct our institution because those who are at the top, are just, they're just no longer acting in accordance to the oath that they have taken. And, uh, sir, I just put it up on the screen for everybody to see. That website, uh, again, is militaryaccountability.com. And That's right. I would say if you're inspired and you appreciate the leadership of those that are in uniform, retired, uh, uh, you know, out, out of service right now, but um, uh, stepping up on behalf of the American people, you have to participate. You cannot be an observer in this thing. I mean... If, if people's, you know, careers have been at stake, there's a lot on the line. Uh, but then again, it's for it's exactly what we're about. That's why we wave the flag and, you know, and, and celebrate our national pride and all that stuff because of those that have fought and died for our inheritance. Well, I say this, sir, if we don't all step up, military or not, American people as well, uh, at those that celebrate their patriotism. If you do not protect what we've inherited, they shall all have died in vain fighting for the freedoms that we that we squander. Don't you agree with that? One hundred percent. This is what this is what makes my blood boil. I can feel my temperature like starting to rise because mm. I agree one hundred percent with what you said. So we get we got we get a lot of people out there. They are friends of mine, and 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 they are good people. They are on the couch right now. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. We get a lot of people who I know deep down are good people. And they say things to us like, you got to pick and choose your battles. Is this the hill you really want to die on? What I'm telling you is right now, this is a massive inflection point in the history of our country, you oh, know? Gosh. And I mean, we all feel it. Those who, who love their country and are intellectually honest, understand Things are critically bad right now. I mean, they've been getting this way for, for, for a long time, but they are very, very bad. And a lot of people also feel that 2024 is going to be a pivotal year, maybe for good reasons, maybe for bad reasons. But I think people can kind of feel that energy in the air, you know. And, and so, listen, you have to get involved. And I'm going to tell you what makes me really angry, because I agree 100 percent with you with what you just said. Mm. This is what I, I mean. I Literally, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest when I say I can I can feel like my. My, my body temperature has just raised about three or four degrees because people that are good people, people who have demonstrated courage in the past, and now when their country needs them the most, they're sitting on the couch. And I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, where physical courage exists, 
that does not necessarily mean that moral courage also exists there. A lot of times they can coincide in the same person at the same time. But if there's one thing that we have learned over the last couple of years is that there are individuals who are good people who have demonstrated courage in the past. And I would never, ever diminish what they have accomplished in the past right now when their country needs them the most, they are not on the battlefield. They are not to be found on the battlefield. And my question is, why not? And, why and, not? and sir, I think you can articulate this uh, responsibly. What is the battlefield? And I'm going to tell you something right now. Everyone has been subjected to this fifth generational styled warfare, psychological warfare, this incrementalism uh, that happens well. I mean, if you look at previous conflicts we've ever had, there's steps that go into before you get into the kinetic phase. There's a lot of stuff that happens. You've got, you know, economic sanctions. You know, you even have, you know, the deployment of aircraft to shut down their comms before you send combat troops in. Nobody sees that. Lights go out, right? Radios are out. You hit their comm. It comms infrastructure, uh, you know, even electronically, right? You, you do that in advance before you actually go full-blown kinetic. Well, everyone needs to recognize you as a civilian right now have been incrementally immersed in this thing, but all of those steps have been involved to just kind of overthrow your brain and make you not even have any full situational awareness. So is this the hill to die on, quote-unquote, to stand up? Um, you have to have full situational awareness because what are you going to do? You're going to wait till we go full-blown kinetic? It's too late. The adversary has taken our entire infrastructure out, correct? Yeah, so this is what people have to realize is like if you're – listen, so to some degree, you know, in the abstract, I agree. You got to pick and choose your battles. Like I, I understand the concept there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you can't die on every hill. Like, I, I, again, I understand that concept in the abstract. That's true. But when you look at opportunities to get involved and then you let them pass mm. and then another opportunity to get involved as the situation is is uh, is becoming more and more critical and you keep letting opportunities to get involved pass you by, well, then when are you going to get involved? Mm. You know, and so if right. you never get involved, well, then what has happened with the country you inherited and then. What are you going to what country are you going to pass down to the next generation? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I just look at it and I say, listen, when, when you live in a Republican form of government, every citizen has some responsibilities. I mean, if you're going to make a republic work, what that means is that there's a lot of power invested in the people, which means there's also a lot of responsibilities inherent on each citizen. So you got to be informed and you got to be active we're not advocating for anything unlawful here we're not no. advocating for the circumvention of the constitution what we're saying is is hey let's get back to the constitution and oh by the way you know what's the most powerful if, if we're just talking about you know actual um you know actual like what, what does the military do the military exists to execute violence on behalf of the american people well yeah. what happens when we can no longer trust the military to execute that violence morally and ethically or within a uh, a lawful framework but what happens then well now we have this monopoly of military power that resides in an organization or an agency that can no longer be trusted by the american people it because executing the violence against an adversary and who is the adversary and uh any uh active duty military or you veterans that are just standing by and you're not you're not involved i mean at what point do we recognize 
are these administrative failures, bureaucratic failures? Is it incompetence? No, hold on a second. 600,000 plus people. I mean, Dr. Pete Chambers, a whistleblower, they came forward very courageously with data, correct? And, and this data uh, indicated that there was a lot of injury and harm being done. We have our military being harmed and injured, the information suppressed, and we've got injuries and we have mass death. At what point do you recognize that our adversary is killing us without a response from us? Uh, I mean, you know, Doc Pete Chambers just called me last night on the phone. I mean, I communicate with him regularly. I talked to him two nights ago on the phone. Doc Pete Chambers is also a signatory, you know, on the on the right. document. But I mean, right. you got yeah, you know, I went through 19 years in the army, you know, four years at West Point. And I, I will tell you the best, the best, most courageous, most invested people that I have met. And you can interpret this as you will, are the people that I have met in the last year to year and a half or two years as all this has been going on because i have seen who the true heroes are mm -hmm. doc p chambers is one of those i didn't even meet him until i was already out of the army in fact i've only actually met him in person once but we correspond all the time rob green who i mentioned before who's kind of the the mind behind this document it was his idea and he's the one who wrote the book that i mentioned a couple minutes ago defending the constitution behind enemy lines um and if people want to find out more about this, you know, go, go find that book. But you know, that's a true hero. That's a true hero. Other people who are on that document, those are the true heroes. Those are the people that are actually trying to pull the military back in the right direction. And when you look at who some of these individuals are, some of these, some of these individuals are, um, if they're still in the military, some of them are very low ranking, which means they're junior individuals. They're very young. They may have only been in the military for a couple of years. And yet here they are with the weight of the military on their shoulders compared to all these generals and admirals that are, um, you know, taking the military in the wrong direction. Yes, sir. Now, can you explain something here? I try, I try to articulate this and I don't think a lot of people fully understand it. It's kind of like some esoteric thing that we Marines understand. Um, when you're in, of course, you, 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 you sign up, you want to protect your country, and then just overall, yes, we're going to defend our nation, we're going to come together, but ultimately, when the proverbial poop hits the fan, right, what are you really fighting for? Are you thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and basically uh, put my muzzle downrange for the flag? No. You're protecting the guy to your left yeah. and yeah. your right, and Marines in that combat scenario are going to do everything, including sacrifice their own lives so that their brother mm -hmm. can survive. And yeah. is that, I, and I, I receive it this way, but you need to articulate this because your name is on it, that every single name that is gone. And I, I know, and I've, I, I have had Dr. Pete Chambers on, he sacrificed a lot and took a lot of risk. Everybody has, but I'm just saying, I know his situation. Um, that's the same level of sacrifice for your fellow Americans and your fellow Marines and your everybody to your left and your right. Every person named on this thing is fighting and put the, putting their name up there for the person to the left, the right, and down below, correct? Absolutely. And, and you're exactly right. And that has been shown in studies that um, 
you know, a lot of people, when they join the military, even if they're very young, they may join for a variety of reasons. But one of those may be, you know, they want to serve their country. You know, they are very patriotic. And that's a fantastic reason to join the military for sure. But when the when the bullets start flying and there have been studies that have shown this, that in that moment, you know, when when you are in the firefight, so to speak, um, what is driving your actions then it is it is to keep the buddies to the left and right of you alive so if we kind of take that and metaphorically apply it to ourselves here's what we're trying to do um, we are we're trying to protect each other we're trying to protect our buddies to the left and and our right and we kind of wish that some others would join the cause like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago about being on the battlefield with us and and um, and engaging in the proper fight which is imploring everyone to get involved and get our uh, our institutions back on track and in this case of course we're we're specifically talking about the Department of Defense and there's something Pete that you mentioned at the very beginning that I actually want to make sure that um, that I touch on very briefly because you explain this and you understand this and I understand this and unfortunately a lot of Americans don't and it may be because they've just watched too many movies right um so the military is, yes, you have to have order and discipline in the military, which means, yes, you have to follow orders. And yes, that could mean you follow orders that you do not like. And in some cases, it could mean you follow orders that get you injured and or killed, or you follow orders that you even believe are unsound. Now, of course, there exists the recourse, assuming that you know time and conditions permit, where if you receive an order that you do not like or you believe is unsound, you can approach your um, your supervisor, your commanding officer or whatever, and and kind of raise your concerns. Yes, yeah, sometimes you, you, you may have the time to be able to do that. Um, and you may be able to convince your your uh, the commanding officer or the issuing authority of that order that that order does not necessarily make sense. But there could come a time, you know, we typically refer to it as the as the salute point where you know, you're given an order and you kind of raise your concerns, but then, you know, you're told that the order stands and you, that's the salute point. And you say, okay, uh, listen, I don't necessarily personally agree, but I'm going to carry out this order. And after all, there may be information that you're not aware of right. as to why that, that order may be sound and you just weren't aware. But my point is, is that yes, the military is an organization of order and discipline. And that means you do have to follow the commands and the orders that you were given. Now, I'm going to give a huge caveat to everything I just said. None of that applies when you receive an order that is unlawful or unconstitutional. That does not apply. That's right. And, and, and you are taught this in the military. So this is not, this should not be misunderstood. You are, not only are you not um, obligated to obey an unlawful order, you yeah. actually have an obligation to disobey that order. Yeah. And this is taught. So the fact that we we find ourselves here right now um, is kind of mind boggling. And to be honest, it does not paint a very good picture as to where we are in the military as an institution. How have we failed in our education of our officers and our enlisted that we've gotten to this point? So that's kind of what I'd say is the is the the um, the undertone to the message that we're sending to the American public is, hey, these senior officials have had two years of us kind of screaming at him and saying, this is unlawful. You're also depriving people of their rights, not to mention completely misguided strategically. They have not, they, they've had ample opportunity to fix what they have done. They have not done it. And so it's like, well, okay, we're just, we're going to do what we can to, um, you know, to try and fix this again within the, the legal framework that already exists. 
Yes, sir. Um, you have uh, uh, actually, we're talking about almost a dereliction of your duty to disobey an unconstitutional order. Um, if, if you failed to do so, to just go along, to get along. Um, I want to take just a very short break. I want to bring it back. Uh, I don't want to just keep it because we, we, we need to give action items, okay? And when we come back on the other side, just a, a short break here. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to put your, you need to be, you know, battle ready. We all do. We need to be because we have an adversary that wants to come and kill us. And in fact, have killed hundreds of thousands of us. That is a reality. That's happened, folks. But how do we respond to that? Do, do we come together? We fight for flag? No, we don't fight. Really, that's not going to get us away from the TV. Um, do we fight for, you know, the red, white, blue or political party or any of that or dirt? You know, do we do that? We don't, um, but I'll tell you what, all Americans will get off the couch. When you mess with my neighbor, I will sure. defend my neighbor. And that's what this is all about. So have that yep. frame of reference. And I'm going to take a very short break here and be back with um, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Miller. We'll be right back right after this. Don't go away, you guys. All of these attributes are classic examples of true innovation. It's the most effective product I've seen in 30 years. So when we're stepping outside into seasonal changes, low humidity, sunlight, pollution, all of these things get communicated as stress on the top layer of skin that produces free radicals. And they're bad news for collagen networks. They're going to break down the collagen network and collapse that beautiful uh, tensile strength of your skin. And so that's how we end up with fine lines and wrinkles. Bella Grace is really an elevated formula. Bella Grace is better than the competition for very obvious reasons. First of all, we're delivering great collagen. We're delivering Verisol, which is the world's most studied form of collagen. So we're starting at a foundation that's really top notch. So to protect your collagen against these kinds of assaults, what you really want is a nutrient that's going to specifically go to the skin, neutralize free radicals and do it really well, protect membranes and also have some anti-inflammatory properties to help dampen the signaling that really turns up expression of those scissor enzymes. And natural astaxanthin in the Bella Grace elixir is able to do all of those things. Every day you would have to eat six fillets of wild king salmon in order to get three milligrams of natural astaxanthin found in Bella Grace's elixir. But there's two other elements that we focus in on with our other key ingredients that are in the elixir, and that is astaxanthin and cat's claw. And the value of adding those two elements, in addition to the collagen, is centered on the formation of collagen in skin. So you activate all the processes that string the peptides and amino acids together. You're generating healthy, productive collagen. At the same time, you're also turning off the damaging pathways that break up collagen. So unless you take in 
into account those components that optimize the process to make collagen and switch off the processes that destroy collagen, you're really missing the big picture. It's not enough to just consume the collagen. You have to link it all up and protect it. That's what Belly Grace does. So the elixir is really the perfect choice. It's shareable in a single unit. You get the right dose, so you're getting the correct benefits that match the clinical trials. And it also gave us the opportunity to have a great flavor. It's just yummy. that are tuned in. By the way, I'm probably the most listened to talk show host by all three letter agencies. They hate me and they, you know, they get scared. They say, oh my goodness, he's talking to people and they're, you know, listen, I'm trying to inspire something here. And that is everybody to understand a couple of things, sir. And here's how I'm going to begin this next segment. There is, you know, I said prima facie evidence. You know, this is a separate group of people that you may have had your mom die because she was subjected to remdesivir and blah, blah. People have died here. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Um, our military veterans now have been impacted. Our military has been impacted. I believe that there's enough evidence. If you listen to the Marxists that were in the living room of Bill Ayers back in the, you know, in the 70s, they had a plan as to what they were going to do. Barack Obama, Ayers, all of them. They said, this is where we're going to go. We're going to take over the government. And then when we find out who the resistors are, we're going to have to send them to re-education camps. And those that can't be converted, what are we going to do? They literally sat there and plotted and planned to kill off 25, 30 million people. That was their words. Now, mm -hmm. if you go by our foreign adversaries, you ever read this book, Unrestricted Warfare? Uh, the CCP's own yeah, the, the military? Two, the two CCP colonels that wrote it, yes. Now, uh, if, if, if you don't mind me saying so, and I'm, I'm not going to do a long-winded recitation um, of this book. If you go by the CCP, the communist Marxist, um, their own battle plans, ultimately, they have to be sitting there thinking, we didn't even have to drop one you know, tank. We didn't have a red star. We have no troops. They're killing themselves off. There is a pre-plan designed attack upon us on restricted warfare using technology and subversion from within. So for our military to be weakened with this woke tardedness and then of course subjecting us to the jab that, that is obviously causing harm, we have to consider it. It, it, it might be part of a pre-designed plan, yes? We have to recognize that, do we not? Yeah, this is why I'm, if, if we can't trust that, our, so I, I think you're, um, and again, while the while the while the focus of our declaration is is quite narrow, yes. yeah, where I kind of personally agree with you is that yeah, there there's a lot that is wrong right now, 
And as a nation, we are extremely vulnerable. And so if we just look at what's going on in our very complex world, um, where there are a lot of threats all around, what we need right now is to be secure. Now, of course, we need to be secure in terms of like um, military defense capabilities, for sure. But we also have to be secure in the way that our rights are protected here at home. And so right now, I would say, I don't know that either one of those are uh, are a sure bet. And so, again, it goes back to what we've said all along. You know, we've got we got a lot of work to do as informed and engaged citizens. But you're right. I, I am I am familiar with that that text you were holding there uh, in your hand. And there are a lot of plans that have been laid in place that a lot of um, everyday Americans may not necessarily be aware of. Now, the, uh, those that have uh, the signatories and I love the focus. It's one page. It's very clear cut. It's mm -hmm. focused mm -hmm. military precision. Here's the execution plan. And we on the outside as generalists seeing what's going on. We need to be supportive of that yeah. because uh, of the following in the coming years, thousands within our network will run for Congress and seek appointments to the executive branch offices. While those of us still serving on active duty will continue to put fulfilling our oaths ahead of striving for rank or position to run for office. This is a peaceful, lawful means, but it make yeah. no mistake about it. Those that have committed crimes and betrayed our country will be held to account. And how do you do that? You're, you don't just become a rogue operator and a lone gunman and a shooter go out and be a vigilante. You don't do that. You, we believe in law and order. We believe in due process. We believe that if you don't like the government, you serve the government and you go take yeah. over a position in Congress, right? Yeah, yeah there's, there's no, if you're intellectually honest, you cannot read that one page document and come away thinking that we are saying anything you know, inflammatory, maybe inflammatory and it maybe, yeah, sure. Maybe it angers people. Maybe it's direct language, but we're certainly not trying to inflame violence. So if you're intellectually honest, you cannot read, even if you disagree with us, you cannot read that document and think that we are calling for anything that um, could be considered violence or even illegal. We're not, we're, we're telling people, yeah. Hey, listen, we don't believe the laws have been followed. We want to make sure they are followed. And just because you are a potentially powerful person, um, you know, the, the, the Department of Defense is a very powerful organization, right? Which means, if anything, that's exactly why it must be, um, um, you know, it must be controlled through the law. And we know, we believe in our country that the military answers to the, you know, civilian leaders, to the, to the civil authorities. That's the way that it was designed in the Constitution. So, again, we live in a nation that abides strongly by the rule of law, or at least it should. So, I mean, we, we've already got some trolls out there that are just making ridiculous comments about um, this declaration. It, and none of that holds water. But I will tell you, you know, you mentioned how the language in there is very precise. Each word is, is kind of was meticulously calculated if it made it into the, the final version of the document, which, again, everybody can find at militaryaccountability.com. But, yeah, we wanted to make sure that at least for those who are honest with themselves, they could not misconstrue our language or misconstrue what we're calling for. The civilian authority, right? Because um, uh, that's the consent of the governed as we were formed, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident, right? That we're, right? We are right. endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, of course, and it has to be protected. But the civilian authority, that's that consent of the governed. You don't vote for a military commander. They're in the chain of command, but here's my point. 
is that the civilian authority is the expression of the will of the people. So here are the marching orders. And I, I'm going to throw to you, and I'm, I'm not going to, I want you to just bring this together. Uh, when, when the signatories step up on behalf of, you know, their fellow countrymen in the military and out of the military, you cannot be a bystander because this is on your behalf and you have to participate. We have to be supportive of this effort because we all have a dog in this fight. So you uh, become a signatory per se by signing the petition. And what does that represent? The will of the people. If we had a 300 million people sign a petition, the military and the civilian authority have to pay attention to that. And that's yeah. what we're fighting for, correct? Yeah. So give us marching orders. What do we need to do? Everybody has a dog in the fight and recognize that we're not just fighting for dirt or, you know, some red, white, and blue flag. Although it's important, it represents what I'm talking about, yeah. that we will protect our neighbors to our left and our right. People are dying and we need to protect them, right? Yeah. So, yeah, just a couple of thoughts real quick. So our first general, George Washington. So remember... Um, you know, he was called the American Cincinnatus because, which is, you know, an old, an old Roman figure, but um, because he resigned his commission at the close of the war, it wasn't until years later that he was elected president, you know, after the constitutional convention, et cetera. So when Washington arguably could have taken political power, you know, being the most famous person in America, he didn't, he chose to uh, resign his commission and, you know, go back to uh, Virginia and was there for, for several years before kind of, you know, duty called again. So, so for us in this country, it is heavily enshrined that the military answers to the civilian authorities who ultimately answer to the people. That's what it means to be in a Republican form of government. So what are we asking the people to do? We want the people to get involved. So number one, go find the declaration at militaryaccountability.com. Sign that petition and send that out to everyone that you know to include your elected representatives and then put pressure on your elected representatives. In the day of social media, this is this is easier than it's ever been. I mean, you can it is as easy as taking if you especially if you get a lot of people to just like tweet at your elected representatives and ask them, have you signed this document? And I'm not saying only do, we're not fighting the entire war on Twitter here. I mean, but I'm just saying, I'm just using that as an example as to, it is easier now compared to in the past to kind of put pressure on your elected representatives, but, but ask them pointedly where they stand on this so that they can't, you know, back out of it. We need everyone to get involved. People know that our country is not where it needs to be and it's going to require a lot of work and it needs to happen quickly so we're going to have to get involved so that's what i would say is sign the petition and then lean on your elected representatives to also get involved and also sign the petition and then make known that they have signed the petition and for those who feel so inclined if you believe that it is your calling to also run for office then you know i would encourage you to do so and that's not necessarily for everybody but there may be individuals who uh, that may be their role. That may be where they can they can most help out. And I would encourage those individuals to get involved. And if that means leading as, an, as a representative, then doing so. There's many, many combat stories. But I'll, I'll take us out of uh, even you know present day because they're going to say, oh, you're a bunch of wing nuts and you're dangerous and you're terrorists because you're combat veterans and blah, blah, blah. So let's separate ourselves and go back to like Vietnam. I'm going to use a mm -hmm. scenario here. Um, you know, in the Marine Corps, I was raised by Vietnam vets, by the way. Um, and they told me um, the stories about an entire platoon 
you know, they would they would be overrun and a whole bunch of them would be taken out. But at no point in time, it's that last few set of Marines that are existing. What is their role? Some of them even called in airstrikes on their own coordinates. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that you should not, and the reason why I'm bringing this up, folks, is you have to recognize, do not feel despair. Every bit of your patriotism that exists is that spirit where we don't give up. We don't take a knee to the communists. You don't say nothing is going to get done. The only people in America that say that nothing is going to get done are the people that are not doing something. And you right. don't have to be smart, tall, skinny. You need to have a soul that is inconquerable, that we will never take a knee to evil, that we will fight for our freedoms. You can't take it away and we can't give it up either. So don't feel despair. And even if you have to call in, I mean, they might get past us, but we have to stand in the gap. We, the people peacefully, even a candlelight mm -hmm. vigil and say, you want our way of life, you gotta get past us. And if you do get past us, this is what I can absolutely guarantee you, General Milley, and all of you other freaking pukes that have betrayed our country, you will inherit burnt dirt, okay? So you might win, Marxist, but guess what you get? Scorched freaking earth. That's the attitude that I have. And I hope that everybody to my left and my right stands beside me in that spirit. We need to have that attitude, don't we? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, this is this is the time to get involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Give out your um your your Twitter handle. Love your Twitter page. Everybody stay engaged. Get on X because right now that is, I mean, it's opened up. You can pretty much guarantee your stuff's not gonna be taken out. Do not threaten violence. That's not what we're about. Right. We don't we right. don't need right. that because we outnumber them. I mean, I can even say to Millie, you know. You think you got enough troops like Biden says, oh, I got F-15s. Really? Let's see if you have enough pilots to use them against the American people. You don't. We outnumber you. Uh, we are inconquerable in our spirit. You don't have enough equipment to be operated by people that are going to side with you. Period. So it's, it's interesting that you mentioned X because... Um, our website, militaryaccountability.com, has actually been heavily censored on uh, Facebook, you know, Instagram, et cetera. But on, but on X, it's not. That's actually where we've been able to put out the most of our, 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 uh, our information. In fact, so my Twitter handle, just my name, BradMiller1010, BradMiller1010. There's a tweet that people can find that is pinned there at my page um, that is the original tweet that I put out early in the morning on New Year's Day with the original body of the document, just a screenshot of it. Mm. And uh, when I put that out right after I had sent the email to the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and other senior officials, um, I put that out early in the morning on New Year's Day. So in about four days, it has been seen 3.8 million times. Nice, nice. And so, uh, do not hesitate. This is that time where you even have to reach out. Uh, I mean, I feel really bad for the people on the left side of the po political spectrum because Really, it's so egregious how much they're being lied to on MSNBC and CNN, and they're immersed in all of that. So you have to reach out uh, to those that you might feel most uncomfortable, but this is that moment where you need to say, hey, yeah. everyone. Yeah. And people are coming awake to it. I think they are. I think even the Democrats are saying, whoa, this is, this is really bad stuff. I hate Trump, but that should never happen to the president of the United States. They're coming awake to that. So, sir... We'll be following your progress, and it, this is 
It took decades to get here. We, we can't expect the dopamine hit and, and take, I'd love to be able to throw yeah. everybody out of Congress yeah. and refill their seats, but that's not how our constitutional republic works. We fix things. It's going to take some time to get that done, and we have to have the determination to do that. So, sir, I honor you, and I thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Pete. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, how did I do, sir? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, good. Now it's up to everybody. You got all the right, you know, ammunition tools. Take this episode and spread it like crazy. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Deb Jordan. Yes. All right. Everything that I just said, it wasn't like I was trying to impress mm-hmm. Lieutenant Colonel Miller. It's everything right. that I believe I and I live and, and, and I'm not just, uh, you know, blowing smoke right now. It is that moment in time. And this, you just heard from somebody right. uh, you know? who's also acknowledged, mm-hmm. you know, my rally cry is, you know, uh, an organ grinder monkey, you know, <laughs> ranting on the Pete Santilli show. This is that moment, folks. Uh, here, here's what I say, and I tell you these stories. Medal of Honor recipients, you uh-huh. have no idea who they are mm. until the crisis emerges, right? right. This That's is right. where we separate those that, you know, you might have a quiet guy, he's a Marine, he's just sitting in the corner, he's eating some MREs, but when it comes mm. time and the grenade rolls in the foxhole and he has five of his brothers that he loves, and he's closest to that grenade. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? It is literally instinct. What is your instinct right now? Is your instinct? We're going to find out. Ladies and gentlemen, we got the grenade and it's right in the foxhole. Yeah. And it's a, and the pin is out. And what do you do? You mm-hmm. need to make that determination all by yourself. You can't be forced. I can't throw you on the grenade, nor would. I don't know of any other person in the military that would take his buddy and throw him on the grenade to save everybody else. That's not how they think in those moments. That doesn't happen. I've never known that I'm going to grab, you know, my least liked, you know, fellow Marine and throw him on the grenade. Right. It doesn't even happen that way. Even those that you, you know, you may have a personal disagreement with, you know, you still have a familiar relationship uh, with them when you're in combat. Um, And we Americans, not just a military thing. I mean, really, uh, if, let me ask you this, folks. My goodness, you have, let's say, an elderly person that's in your neighborhood, you know, and you wave hi to her and you've known her for years. And uh, maybe she's she's gotten up there in age, she's a little bit disabled. And she's in the second floor and her house is a blazing. How do most Americans respond to that? Where their neighbor who doesn't have the capacity to, you know, to do certain things, maybe they're at that age. Mm -hmm. What, what does somebody do in that situation? And I know that instincts as Americans were very, loving people who are very courageous in that regard. I mean, there are people that do incredible things, you know, maybe a car was on top of somebody, ran over. I mean, you've heard stories, right? right? Car ran over a child and it's underneath the tire and a man will run to his neighbor and lift that car up 
right? Yeah, yeah. You know, a great example of that. That's instinct. A great example of that is when our puppy, Callie, got hit by a car. Remember what happened? All the neighbors came out. Everybody started looking for her. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Up people we didn't even know. People we we didn't know. Yeah. But then again, I, I yelled really loud and they had no choice. <laughs> yeah, but they, I mean, but they, they knew they that started was the helping. alert. They heard that we were in need somehow, some way. And yeah. they, they all came out. Yeah. They did. They're like, whoa. Um, yeah. And it was amazing. So that's how I want you to respond. Right now, we need to have your instincts kick in. And guess what? If your instinct is to cower, and to hide, mm-hmm. that also reveals itself in the in the heat of battle. It mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Um, so when when I speak, it's not even in a derogatory sense. All right, um, everybody is subjected under a psyop. Right, um, it's kind of like the foxhole scenario with the grenade. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's say there was a TV in there, and MSNBC says, you know. Um, there's radical extremists. They're all Trump supporters are going to be throwing grenades in foxholes. If you see right. a grenade, it's actually a fake one. Don't mm-hmm. worry about it. And they're causing you to let your guard down. Right. So I'm trying to say, no, 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 no. Folks, what you know is what you've been told. And what you've been told is a lie. Mm-hmm. So I'm in that phase to say you're being lied to. That grenade is hot. It's about to go off. So now we ask you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do at this point? If you don't think that people are dying or it's not important enough for your attention, okay? Then, mm-hmm. oh, Pete, I'm just going to stay in consumption mode until the, the bullets start flying. No, no, no. We have to get this information out. The mainstream media is suppressing us. The leftist Marxists have control of Silicon Valley. They're suppressing us. We have everything up against us, including now our military that is, has degraded the strength of our military and caused the national security situation. So when I say we are going to do some peaceful things and we can do it, but we need everybody's participation and a couple hundred of you of 20, we had 25,000 people come to the show the other day. Yeah. And I was just trying to rally and rally around 25,000. And I know what the difference is. That's not a fake number. Those are real numbers. 25,000 and only 493 people responded to the call. Mm. You know what they said? I can hide. You know what? You are responding instinctually as a coward would in the heat of the battle. Right now, bullets are flying. You're not even fully recognizing what's going on. And if I snap you to it real quick and I say, you're being shot at, and you respond by saying, well, I'm just going to go hide over here in the corner. That might be your reaction. So be energized right now. React in the way that you need to be. And how do you do that instinctually? We have to get this information out to our fellow Americans because they are being targeted for extermination. You can't have a bunch of belligerents like us hanging around when they're trying to overthrow our country. I already know this. You guys are all going to be belligerent. 
just some of you a little bit slow to recognize and have full situational awareness. That's the truth. So my only thing is not to force you to take action because you can't be forced to take action. It has to happen instinctually. But if you've been psyop to the point to where you think that, you know, I'll come back tomorrow. Maybe, you know, well, no bullets are flying. So I guess I can just still sit here and, and hide. That's the psyop part. Mm. You have been conditioned to think that this incrementalism, okay, of just accepting it, accepting it, is to the advantage of our adversaries who specifically in this book say that we're going to topple you from within by convincing everybody that they're, you know, somebody else is going to save them, that, that it's not really warfare, right? To actually have war perpetrated upon you and you won't even recognize it. I could read this unrestricted warfare. Hold on. Let me read something. Chapter one, the weapons revolution invariably precedes the revolution in military affairs by one step. And following the arrival of a revolutionary weapon, the arrival of the revolution in military affairs is just a matter of time. The history of warfare is continually providing this kind of proof. Bronze or iron spears resulted in the infantry phalanx, and bows and arrows and stirrups provided new tactics for cavalry. Black powder cannons gave rise to a full complement of modern warfare modes. From the time when conical bullets and rifles took to the battlefield as the vanguard of the age of technology, weapons straightaway stamped their names on the chest of warfare. When people discuss future warfare, they're already quite accustomed to using certain weapons or certain technologies to describe it, calling it electronic warfare and precision weapons warfare and information warfare. Coasting along in their mental orbit, people have not yet noticed that a certain inconspicuous yet very important change is stealthily approaching. They brag Okay, did you understand what I just said in that last sentence that I just read? Mm-hmm. Coasting along in their mental orbit, people haven't even noticed that a certain inconspicuous yet very important change is stealthily approaching. How do you advance yourself with your ideology and your wartime tactics? How do you get close enough to your adversary to rip their esophagus out of their neck. You don't pick up the phone and call them and say, I'm on my way, right? right. And I'm going to be pulling your esophagus out of your neck. When you see right. me coming down the street, uh -huh. just, no, I told you I'm coming to rip your esophagus out of your neck, right? Yeah. No. Very, very quietly, you know, and let your guard down. You know, I showed you my, my tactics as to how I approach somebody and get to where I need to get to defend myself, right? Mm -hmm. I don't do this, do I? You ever seen me do this? No. I don't do that. I don't expend any energy. I'm the probably, you know, the least threatening person when it comes to that type of scenario. So I can get in close enough to rip your freaking heart out of your chest through your neck. But I got to get close. I need to convince you and I touch you, right? You know that touching thing that I do? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not non-threatening. It's touching. It lets your guard down so I can get in close enough to take your esophagus and rip it out of your neck and show it to you as you breathe your last squeal of air through the hole in your neck. But I'm not going to do that from a distance. I'm going to get in close enough. And this is what's happening right now. They've had to get in close enough to you, right? To tell you everything's going to be fine. Everything's okay. Pay no attention to your surroundings. There's extremism, blah, 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 right? All of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when you least expect it, you're going to get stung. Now, am I making this up? No, I read their book. I read their strat. This came from military leaders. Right. This is how we're going to topple Americans because we know that they're stupid, lazy internet cowards that would just keep them at home and have them TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. And share nonsensical blasts of whatever as we move all of our troops in place closer and closer and closer. I mean, ultimately, troops, what are those troops? As we get everything done in every single institution, just have them sit at home and recognize that the shooting is going to start for many, many years from now to sneak up on you. Mm. When you least expect it, bam. So I'm asking you full situational awareness right now. And how do you respond to this thing? Do I say you need to go rip somebody's esophagus out? No. The point is, how do I rip your esophagus out? It's not by calling you and then driving down the street saying, I'm coming down the street in a freaking red bus with a light on it, right? right. When you see me coming, I'm coming to take out your esophagus. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. You come in and say, I'm coming over with some cookies. Brand new, freshly baked. What better way to get through the front door? But we're going to welcome you in and sit you down. Right? Correct. I know friends in my neighborhood, and everybody should, okay? Especially the big mouths that post up on, you know, like the Facebook people. They got their Punisher logo, and they show pictures of their guns, right? They do that. I make note of stuff like that. If you're out there showing pictures of your guns and talk about guns and stuff like that, I'm literally making a note, and I'm going to come and shoot you in the face and take your guns when I need them at the appropriate time when it's legal, right? Mm. So all of you guys bragging out there, attracting attention, I'm probably going to be saying, hey, would you like some cookies? Have you invite me into your house and I will shove a slug in your face and take all of your guns. Thanks for letting me know you had extra guns and ammo. Mm. But I'm going to get close. The point is I'm going to come to you with cookies. You're going to invite me in your house, right? They talk about the stealthy approach to you. They know that they've already pre-cooked you into letting letting them into your house. You're going to bring them in. Oh, this is nice little Chai-Com guy. He came in with fresh donuts. He's a Chinaman. He stays up all night and he came down, him and his family, to deliver donuts to our house. Mm. He's a freaking CCPer. This is upon us. How do you respond, folks? How do you respond? I know how I respond. You ready? Ready. There, there is 
there is something very important happening, all right? And I'm going to say this to all of my good friends over at the Bureau of Land Management who are probably listening now, right? I call them, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that I learned and everything that we all did in 2014, 2016, you know, was literally a springboard, not just dealing with January 6th. January 6th wasn't, it was about our country, all right? Yes. But everything and all the encroachments and the relationships with these communist Center for Biodiversity and communist Sierra Club and communist Robert F. K. Jr. Communist, communist mechanism, setting up Sue and Saddle and for decades building the environment that now we have the government, okay, wanting to acquiesce to the environmentalists who say that there's climate change mm -hmm. and we must save the environment and we need to be able to take you know, the value of all the land in Nevada, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm going to use this example with Craig Winklewitz. You know, you own a property, right? If you own a property, there's airspace that's above and it's regulated. FAA controls that, mm -hmm. don't they? They do. They do. You, you can't prohibit a plane from flying through it. It's over your property. Sure. Okay. You own that space. But we're the FAA. We need to be able to traverse through it. We understand it's your property. No harm done. We need to go straight through. Regulated by the government, right? Mm-hmm. Airplanes pass through it. It's right over your house. Then you've got minerals that are in the subsurface, right? Do you own the mineral rights? In most cases, no, you don't. Uh, because of the subprime mortgage meltdown and the repackaging of all that stuff, you own your property, you own the dirt, you own the house, you own all that stuff. You got water coming, water pipes coming through that you installed, electricity, all that. But if they want to tap into your natural gas stores on your property, they own the rights to be able to do that. You can't stop them because you've surrendered that to these people without right. you knowing, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? Now we have a situation where Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has given the environmentalist communists so much power that they lobbied to say that under the guise of climate change and all that stuff, that they have to be able to take that air that the government's regulating anyway, and we're going to slice it, right? Because it has value. We're going to not only control it, all right? not just for air uh, uh, travel, but it has value because if that air is clean, that's good. We're gonna make sure it's clean. We're gonna test it every once in a while and it's got value. And if you pollute it a little bit, we're gonna find you and we've got this mechanism where that air has value and we're gonna slice it. And we're gonna sell off layers of that air that have value to multinational corporations. They're literally without any rights whatsoever to anything on your property, without any rights. You own the property. You ever hear the term by Klaus Schwab? You will own nothing. Oh, yes. And you will be happy. Let me, yeah. let me translate that. This is where we're at right now. And I know this because 
of what I went through in 2014 and 2016. Mm -hmm. We will steal it from you. And if anybody tries to stop us, we will shoot you. Amen. That's it. That's what Klaus Schwab's new theme is. Before it was, you will own nothing and you will like it. Yeah. But right now they're going for the grab. We're going to steal all of this value that should belong to each and every state, every single person. All right. Now, mm -hmm. You understand where I'm going here, folks. Trust me. If you resist them and you try to assert your rights for your property, your life, liberty, and your property, and you stand up to it, they're going to kill you. They're go Robert Lavoy Fenicum, I have proof of it. Because mm -hmm. all he was wanting to do was to convert that land the government shouldn't have owned and give it to the people. And because of that, they shot and killed him. And would have slaughtered everybody else. But I'm saying he is living proof of what I just said. Yeah. They're going to kill you. You need to know this. So there's a documentary. Uh, and in that documentary, I thought Clive and Buddy, for the first time, was able to describe the boundaries and the grazing rights and all that stuff for the first mm -hmm. time. I thought it was. And they wanted to cut it down because it was a little bit too long-winded and he doesn't know how to pronounce words exactly perfect, but guess what? Steak and potatoes, every person can understand what he says in this documentary. Mm -hmm. The documentary will last right now in long form, probably two, two and a half hours, I think it is. Two hours. That's two hours, yeah. It's a great documentary. They're cutting it down. Just everybody a bit. will watch this documentary and come away saying, wow, this needs to be shared with everybody, especially because it's not a 2014, 2016 thing. Right. So Angie, this Karen, Ankh, if you guys, and JQ, public, here. if you could, please drop that link. Please drop the link. In, and, in the chat. And what we're going to do is give you access, okay, today before I, I'm going to be leaving for DC. I'm going to be in the documentary. That's not why I want you to watch it. I know it's good. I was in the documentary less so as a defendant, more as a subject matter expert mm -hmm. and a commentator, which I was right from day one. Right. But I'm in the documentary. That's not why I want you to watch it. I want you to watch it because there's people that don't even know what happened then and what's upon us to today. Mm -hmm. So you are invited by invite only. It's free. You can just watch it online and you can involve yourself in a Q&A with all the defendants and I'm going to be there in DC and I'm going for you a quick are. turnaround, quick turnaround. Just, yeah. well, I'm not telling you when I'm leaving and when I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> no, don't do that. No, I won't. But yeah, here it is. When the trial ended and they were acquitted, the Bundys were acquitted and the attorney was tased and, and that whole scenario happened and they were immediately grabbed and then taken down to Nevada. I knew something was horribly wrong. Bunkerville rancher Cliven Bundy put in handcuffs. We didn't expect this. It was kind of like unreal that it wasn't really happening in our country. FBI came in. They were ready for a, a 
battle in Fallujah. Jack said that uh, if they if they do drag him back there, he's going to die in prison. Why did he take the plea deal? They said that if he didn't take it, that they were going to go pick up his friend Jack Comerford for cancer. Well, anyway, um, the judge herself calls a sidebar, and Eric Parker is ripped from the stand and no longer allowed to testify. Throughout the whole ordeal, and in the beginning, I thought, <clears throat> well, I've got my, my Sixth Amendment right to um, a, a speed trial. I've got speed trial right. And, and then, boom, I got no speedy trial right. Well, I've got the right to, to call witnesses. And then, boom, we, we, we don't get witnesses to get around that. And then, so, well, okay, but I've got the right to testify on my own behalf. And that's what's going to save me. You know, I kept falling back on the Constitution. I just had my last defense taken away from me. Our legislator, Dorothy Moon, took it upon herself in writing a letter and gathering support. We helped facilitate gathering signatures for that letter. She turned that into Raul Labrador. Raul Labrador took that letter to Jeff Sessions, had a personal meeting. The second trial ended. We had um, an 11 to 1 to acquit. And then I heard they were going to have a third trial. The unethical, potentially illegal behavior uh, that was highlighted by Special Agent Wooten as a whistleblower in an email that, uh, or, or it looks like an email, uh, that we have confirmed the veracity of. Uh, what's the impact of the, the Larry Wooten memo? Answered prayer. <laughs> when she gets the evidence of the snipers, and, and it's on the record, they're snipers. She immediately is like, I threw a guy off the stand for mentioning snipers. Um, yeah, my husband. Societally speaking and in our law, we agree that a person who has been convicted can be subjected to punishment. But when you are not convicted, you cannot be. And Ammon was chronically punished. As a citizen of Idaho, it was our duty to stand up for our fellow constituent and buddy. There's moments where I needed needed my better half. Now I've been a political prisoner for 700 days. I came in here as a free man. I didn't even leave as a free man. But I never dreamed that they would hold him without bail for two years. But I never imagined it would take two years. exclusively to see the screening. It's the long, you know, and I say uncut. It's going to have to be cut down eventually, probably mm -hmm. over the next couple of months. But this right now, as it stands, you can view it. It's a really important documentary. And you need to know that every single person that watches this thing, if you see what they did to us was a practice run, for what happened on January 6th. Mm -hmm. And January 6th was a practice run for what they're about to do because they got to cause everybody. You see, what happened in 2014 and 2016, ladies and gentlemen, was a way, and they ran an operation. They wanted to find out who is going to stand in opposition to us. It It is more valuable that we hold off and remain patient and see who comes to the support of Clive and Bundy. This mm -hmm. isn't about us getting cattle. This 
this is about us running him off the land because the last ranch are standing. But who will come and defend the First Amendment and all that stuff? Who will right. bring their Second Amendment? And the prosecution said, hey, guess what? Mm -hmm. We're going to run this operation. Those that come in there, if they have guns, and they, they have scary clothing on and they come to you, that's assault. Uh, mm -hmm. Then it's extortion of cattle. Then blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and you know what? We're going to put the word out that if anybody dares stand up for our constitutional rights here in the United States of America, mm -hmm. that you will be shot and killed. That they ran an operation, per a judge, they ran an operation for the specific purpose of provoking an armed confrontation. And Amen. guess who else needs to be upset by this and was Larry Wooten. He's a mm -hmm. federal agent and he found out Bureau that of Land this Management. Bureau of Land Management. Yeah, he's yeah. a federal agent. Mm -hmm. He was the case manager. He was? And he saw that even the federal agents' lives were put at risk. They were like frontline pawns. Mm -hmm. They were told a lie about who their adversary was. Well, they, Why? Thought, that they thought Larry Wooten was going to play the game. They thought Larry Wooten would go in there and, and continue just, to cover up the truth. Yeah, they thought he would go in there and he would and he would protect Dan Love. He would protect Sal Loro. Mm -hmm. He would protect the prosecution. Stephen Myrie. Uh, Stephen Myrie thought this. Mm. Thought that uh, Mr. Wooten would do that, and guess what? He didn't. That's what he did. He wrote the truth, and so they fired him. And then, and uh, then. They refused. They put his his uh, his paper, his document, his write up on it, his investigation under seal, so nobody could see it. Now uh, I'm also going to ask you guys, uh, and and it's all voluntary, right? But I have to mention this. Um, I don't have Pfizer that supports us. We don't mm -hmm. have big pharma. Okay, mm -hmm. we don't have any of those things. Uh, if you support us by supporting our sponsors. Uh, one of them, name a sponsor. I want you guys to know this because guess what? I'm literally paying out of pocket to go to D.C. and I can't afford not to go there because I'm not doing it for me. Mm -hmm. It's on behalf of the American people. I do want to mention that story. after on Saturday, after the airing, there will be a live Q&A Q question and right. answer. So that's really very cool. So, mm -hmm. so you will have the opportunity uh, to have a question and answer session. This is exclusive. You're not going to have this opportunity uh, in the future. All right. Uh, this is a one shot opportunity. That's why I have to go there and be available, be supportive. And uh, let's put it this way. I, I am a subject matter expert, mm -hmm. um, knowing a lot about the situation. You can support us by going to mypillow.com forward slash Pete. Amen. Did you know that the month of December, as far as support during Christmas, was less than the previous month of our viewership? Wow. Yeah, it, it was. That's a fact. Um, mm. So we can't back down. We can't back away is my point. Don't back down. Don't back away. This is where we, this is that moment where we rise up, we step up. Do you believe that it's important for me to be there? I'm I'm going to be looking in the chat threads, okay? Oh, I, you I, want you want our listeners to answer that. I want <laughs> our listeners. 
You were very, you were on the, question. you were on the fence about it, actually. I, I almost didn't I go because I can't, afford, I can't afford to pay the light bill because our viewership wants to keep me on poverty wages. Well, it's a seven-hour drive for you from so here. I'm driving. I'm not even flying. Yeah. Okay. And oh, I'm it was way you. too expensive. Forget that. Okay. So I yeah. can't afford to go. I can't afford not to go. With your support, mm -hmm. uh, I can go. You can support us at, guess what? Our locals, right? I gave away a free month. Free. And, you know, we lost and came out negative uh, with with our, I gave away free accounts mm -hmm. to kind of, and gave away pillows. And people yeah. backed away. And our listenership mm -hmm. has exploded. So, um, you know, I guess I'll go down with my own ship. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you believe that it's worth it for me? We might have to come me? back again. So. Do you think that it's worth it for me to go there on behalf of, right, the American people who help convey this story, support the documentary film, uh, answer some questions, add some commentary to be there in D.C. for this on January 6th? Um, we got, uh, who is it? Rico always steps up. Mm -hmm. But you got Dr. Rico with a $10, right? Uh, I'm actually paying, um, I'm, I'm paying to go out there. Uh, it's going to cost money and fuel, uh, and a car to go out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's it. Now I also have a place to stay at an undisclosed location. Yes. <laughs> right. So that's good. I'm offsetting that with, uh, so if you guys, uh, believe that it's important, then, you can support us over at Locals. I, I'm sorry, at Locals as well as at Rumble. At Rumble. Let's see. Let's see if you guys want to send this information out with a free push of the button. Let's look at it. Thousands of people have come through. 351 have pushed that button. The remaining balance of those probably 10, 20,000 people are mm -hmm. literally sitting on this information intentionally to suppress it. Oh, by the way, we got four trolls that push the thumbs down button. And I'm going to tell you something right now. <laughs> we you better care. seek shelter immediately. If you're tuned into the show, you think you can impact me with your little four little, little uh, down uh, thumbs down. You, you think you can, you think you'll succeed. I'm going to crush you. Your yeah. worst days are yet to come. I wouldn't worry about it. Please hit much. the rumble. Thumbs up. Yeah. No. Okay. Nobody. Uh, all right. No, no rumble rants. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs> mm -hmm. Listen, we have we have one of the most responsive audiences on Rumble, and everybody tells us that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yes. You know the people who, the the CEO and and they're like your your chat is always busy. Uh, you get you know you get a lot of of interaction, and there's Jamie oh, W. What? Whoa. Bingo. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Jamie. Okay, Jamie WV just dropped a five. Okay, first of all, we need to make wow. sure because sometimes they, sometimes, sometimes people say, "Oh, I meant to just do five dollars." <laughs> I know. Let's make sure that wasn't mistaken. That's why, by the way, we get paid a month out. Yeah, we have to ask. We have to it, ask when somebody drops that much. Five hundred dollars. Yeah. Wow. Just let's confirm that he didn't mean to uh, mean to. 
sent us $5 and accidentally hit 500 Wow, thank you, Jamie. No accident. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you guys. Wow, it's, Jamie. Uh, wow. Jamie uh, just literally um, sponsored my trip out there. Yeah. You did? Yeah. Yeah, because... Uh, Look at Bon Bon 49, $5, a little bit of gas money. That, Thank every you little so bit much, counts, Bon you know? Bon. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. $500. That's what I'm talking about, right? That makes me feel better because if I were to walk away and everyone's like, well, good luck to you, you know, it's all on you. <laughs> You're like, oh. Yeah. I mean, I'll carry that weight, I guess, you know, just go ahead and send your bullets towards me, right? I'll take them. I'll take all the slings and arrows. Yeah. But that right there tells me a lot. Okay. And everybody, at the, yeah. well, you can't have the best of both wow. worlds, folks. Uh, we have right now 1,600 people. Okay. We need to have, because one person, and obviously Rico uh, has stepped up, and Bonbon49 with $5. Can we at least get 1,600 people that are live on Rumble to say, mm -hmm. thanks, Jamie? Can we yeah, get? They are. Everybody is thanking Jamie. Thank Jamie. Thank Jamie. Thank, thank Bon Bon. Thank Rico. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Look at that. Lady Alexander. Right? Yeah. And that's what we're all about. That's why our supporters, because we, we keep it. You don't have to pay to watch the show. And there's a way to do that. It just can't be at my expense. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we do is we pitch in. Uh, all I'm looking to do is just break, barely break even. Trust me, I'm not even close, but thank you. Oh, look at that. Biker Mom Patriot, $10. I wish I had more. That's oh, okay. We love it. Thank That's you, Biker what, Mom. <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to... Um, I'm going to get a bag of corn nuts and mm -hmm. splurge because I'm not supposed to be eating um, <laughs> what? Yeah, you got to... You have to slow down be careful. All the carbs, right? Got to yeah, be careful. that's right. Thank you very much for that. Here, as we wind down, um, as we wind down, is there anybody that doesn't want to go to that event? And you, and it's free, by the way. There's zero yeah, catches. Yeah. You go to the event. That thing isn't even publicly available. I don't think you can go find it. I was given a link to join to watch the live stream for those people that can't get there. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, there's a small group. Uh, that's going to be attending. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be present for a Q&A. Yeah. I'm hoping to also look at America First PHL, $25 from breakfast, Pete. Oh, thank you now, so much. Now, what I'm going to be thank doing, you, I First. can't talk about my travel arrangements, okay? But yeah. let's put it this way. Can everybody on Locals, I mean on Rumble, can you get over to our locals channel and what I will do is if you guys show I mean we have like right now listening to my voice live real time before you get off the show go get a free locals account free account right mm -hmm. if you do that and I see that you guys are interested I will do a stream on locals only right uh, and I'll leave it open to our members and non-members alike but you have to do it on locals. I can't be firing up all the streams. Um, when you're traveling, 
Right. Yeah, I can't do that. But if you guys get to locals and you want to stay engaged, you're, I mean, I'll even I'll be with Eric Parker. Uh, I'll be with other people. Todd Angle, I believe. Todd Angle, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming he's coming. I'm glad. The Please, producers, the writers, the editors. You'll so be with if them. I see that you guys go over, I don't want to go backwards. I mean, like, you know, canceling or whatever it is that people didn't renew or whatever we did. We did not offset. We, we will not be able to survive if we go backwards. But if I see that you guys are interested, then I'll spend the time uh, and provide you guys with with a stream on locals. Does that sound fair? Sounds fair to me. I'll bring a anyway. small kit with me. All right. Yeah, you always do. Yes, I always do. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I'm going to bring a small kit, Deb Jordan. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, as we wind down the show here, and if you want to, Tony, are you on a computer or cell phone, sassy lady? Hmm. Okay. All right. Watch this. Oh, geez. And Look there is me designs $20 bail mom money just in case. <laughs> oh, I won't need that. That is so cute. That's great though. though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, are we off of, um, we're off Frank speech, right? I have a, a language advisory, but I think you guys need, I'm not ending the show on this. Don't I just want to be able to show this to you? This is, this is the, the craziness. Now there's some, Profane language. So if you have children, you need to turn the volume down. You can watch it. Give them, watch give this. everybody a second to get kids yes, or turn the volume to. down a little. Okay. Or get your headsets on. Right. Get your headsets on. Mm-hmm. But, but I have to play this all the way through so you can hear the voices of the people that watched an altercation in Philadelphia on the platform waiting for a subway. Mm -hmm. and somebody was thrown and run over by a train. This is the state of affairs in this country. Yeah. This is the, that's why I'm playing this. It's not because of the gore. It's because... There really isn't any gore. It's just shocking when it happened. No, it, it's shocking. And yeah. it's shocking to the people that are behind. But but just the, the depravity, okay, is what I want. This is what we've become. And I think, and here's my point, mm -hmm. that, that if our nation is to be punished by the Lord... I think we kind of deserve it in certain regards. Mm -hmm. We do. In many ways. We do. Ways. Not not one person, okay, jumped under the tracks. They didn't. They had their cell phones out. And the man was underneath the train. That was another thing that was disturbing to me. Yeah, he was pretty much done for at that point. Yeah. You think? Oh, yeah. I would say. she can't get home now.
She's complaining because she can't get home. That was her first reaction. Why are those people standing around? So many things wrong. So from what I understand, on that, the person uh, that's screaming in the background or crying was uh, somehow related to the guy that got thrown under onto the tracks. And the little guy, it looks like in the beginning of it that he's being picked on and and that the bigger guy's pushing him around. And, but from what I understand, that's not the case. That uh, the smaller guy who he had pinned up against the wall was uh, harassing everybody, uh, you know, coming after everyone and acting and was just out of control in the subway. And they, and this guy uh, tried to, tried to uh, defend himself against this little guy. <laughs> and, and that's when it happened, right? And we didn't see the beginning of of this video if there even was a beginning but that is the story that's coming now out now at this point that you know the little that little guy started a bunch of crap with everybody and was acting erratically yeah. and this guy was trying to defend people and uh you know he pushed him and he lost his balance and on the tracks he went yeah there's a lot of lot of a lot of things wrong with that on many different levels but mm -hmm. guess what I want you to listen. Uh, the black American community, by the way, is rising up. So this isn't a racist thing. You can't say, oh, it's because they're black people, you know. I no, wasn't even paying any attention to no, the color of their skin. No, so I, I want to uh, have everybody pay attention. People that have paid no taxes can't vote, and you put them in front of the voters. I'm not going to pay them no damn taxes. And so we say this to you, Mayor, Governor, President. If you think that they're that powerful that you have to acquiesce and answer to them over us, then you tell them to vote for you in these next elections. Right. You tell them to support your Democratic National Convention. We're going to show you how, how we feel about the Democratic National Convention. Turn it up. Thank you. If you think you're going to have a peaceful Democratic National Convention in the city of Chicago while our people stop it, That's right. stay tuned. A group of people that have paid no taxes can't vote, and you put them in front of the voters. I'm not going to pay them no damn taxes. And so we say this to you, Mayor. Yeah, Governor, listen up. President, if you think that they're that powerful, that you have to acquiesce and answer to them over us, then you People tell them to vote in for Chicago. Oh, you. Listen tell them to this one, too. Your democratic national Say for us as black people when we believe in this concept of white privilege. So white privilege is the concept that no matter what, if you're white, you're doing better than any black person ever because your skin is white. Doesn't matter if you're homeless, doesn't matter if you're in prison, doesn't matter, you're doing way better than every black person because your skin is white. So a lot of times these 
social justice warriors will say, oh, you're white, you don't have to worry about the cops harassing you. Well, I don't worry about cops harassing me. I'm a black woman and I live in Texas. I have actually, I moved out of the black neighborhood when I was a kid because my single black mother said, you know what? People are breaking into our place all the time and we're not safe here. And I actually grew up in a town called White Settlement as a little black kid in Texas. And I do not feel oppressed. I got to go to college and my SAT scores were not that high. They weren't really high enough to just grant me admission. But I had to get a little interview and they probably saw, oh, black female, let her in. There's probably some white kid with more qualifications than me, better SAT scores, who didn't get in because I did. I have privilege. When I went to Ghana recently, there were black people in the first class section and white people back there in coach. There's no such thing as white privilege. If you are getting bent out of shape by me saying there's no such thing as white privilege, then you're a black person that loves your victim status and you got a big fat chip on your shoulder that Mr. Steinberg put there through the media that you bought into. Or you're a white person who has some sort of social justice kind of white guilt and yet superiority thing going on that you feel that you are superior and that you do have privilege and you kind of you know want to keep that listen the black uh, here's my point the uh-huh. black american community is coming awake they are. i really want to focus on not uh preaching to the choir and having a circle jerk in the echo chamber Mm-hmm. I want everybody to start reaching out, especially to members of the black community that are coming awake and you need to let them know that what we learned in 2020 is something that the Democrats have been complaining about for decades. Mm-hmm. And that is the rigging of votes in this mm-hmm. coming year. You know what's going on? Billions and billions of people will be going to an electronic voting machine. This is incredible. Huh? Around the world. Around the world. Yeah. On the same Uh, day. There is a lot at stake. And guess Mm -hmm. who, guess who the number one, the leader of this entire group of hopefully billions of people will go cast their vote. And and they they hope that their vote's going to count. And it's not. It's not. It's not going to count. The vote's going to be rigged. Mm-hmm. But there's one man that leads of all these leaders around the world. Yeah. That that experienced exactly what I'm talking about. And we need to get him across the finish line. Because right before he left, he said, I have a duty to expose this election fraud. Oh, okay. Well, there, there's no way that I can expose the election fraud. And you tried to do a color revolution on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he left office, didn't he? He didn't declare the Insurrection Act. He didn't do that. He said, all right, uh, I'm going to leave. And he left. He said, I'm not going to concede. I'll be back. Right. And he's going to come back. And I want everybody to reach out that President Trump is the one person that black Americans who have had their votes robbed by the Republicans for decades. Mm -hmm. President Trump's that guy that's going to come in. 
and give every black American the opportunity. If you wanted to vote for a communist, that you should be able to go cast your vote for a communist. It's the truth. It's never existed before. President Trump, even if you're a socialist, social justice, brainwashed communist, that President Trump is going to be the one to give you, as a social justice communist, the opportunity to cast your vote for that. Mm. And it's not going to come from Democrats. It's not going to come from Republicans. As you know, our founding fathers built the Electoral College to safeguard the American people from the dangers of a demagogue. There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. And to ensure that the presidency only goes to someone who is, to an eminent degree, endowed with the requisite qualifications. An eminent degree. Hundreds of thousands of American patriots are committed to the honesty of our elections and the integrity of our glorious republic. Trump will never be elected president. I stole the election. You're not going to be president. You will never be president of the United States. Someone who is highly qualified for the job. They had to take the top of my head off a couple times. See if I had a brain. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election. Donald Trump will take Ohio, will retain Ohio. And everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. He will never be president. Trump will not be president. He's not going to be president. Take it to the bank. But I said something's wrong here. Something's really wrong. Can't have happened. And we fight. Former President Donald Trump's attorneys have been told by Special Counsel Jack Smith's office to expect an indictment against the former president. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by a bold and radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing. And then they do nothing about it. Any eligible person, no matter which party they belong to. But it should certainly be someone you consider especially competent. And I know uh, some of you are even uh, seeing whether or not you uh, qualify or whatever you have. Anyway, it won't go into it. Nobody comes in and punch him out. This is why I would pay for you. They're waiting for this. They're trespassing on the Capitol building. I want to punch him out. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. Fuck around, you'll find out. 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 We will never give up. Ladies and gentlemen, mm -hmm. guess what? I'm going to end the show on this note right here, right now. I got to take off, get ready. We'll be back at four o'clock. I'm going to do a show and then I'm going to be doing things and stuff. But I want you to know this. Get this out to uh, members of the black American community. That they only think they don't have any ideas. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. Here's my idea. Is we are going to, even if the one platform that I'd like to offer up to you, and nobody should say no to this, is that President Trump is going to make sure that every black American voter, that their vote counts. And he's going to do that. Mm. The other side all they have to offer, they're in a last-ditch effort, a very, very desperate-ditch effort. 
all they can do is to declare anybody that's against them as extremists. That's all they have to offer. That you vote for me because the other side is a terrorist. Anybody that does not vote for Joe Biden, this is what he says in his first campaign, and you need to think about this. You know they're getting ready to steal the election because Joe Biden isn't even campaigning. All he's doing is brainwashing everybody to believe that if you don't vote for me, you're a terrorist. We'll see you guys at 4 o'clock. Just pay attention to this. This is a 30-second ad. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. All of us are being asked right now, what will we do to maintain our democracy? History's watching. The world is watching. Most important, our children and grandchildren will hold us responsible. The vice president and I have supported voting rights since day one of this administration. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. You know what? This is what we're going to do, Joe Biden. It's going to be mostly peaceful. You're going to be thrown out on the front porch by the will of the people, by the consent of the governed. So help me God. As a matter of fact, spare yourself the embarrassment. Just leave voluntarily now or wait until we kick your pedophile ass just wait just wait click that link down below join us I'll be working through the weekend I'll tell you that I'm going to be working through the weekend for my fellow Americans everybody's Why? working for the weekend everybody's working through the weekend right mm. Why? Why am I doing it? Oh, for our flag? No. For dirt? No. For a parade? There's rockets red glare? No. Because they're going to come and kill you. And don't tell me like some people do. Oh, please, don't push the envelope. You need to come back to fight another day. I'm going to fight right here, right now. As if your life depends on it. That's my instinct. What is yours? Join me for the Q&A there for this weekend, January 6th. I'll be in the sulfur, smelly Washington, D.C. area. Cover me. I'm going in. Lord. Bye, everybody. Sign up for tomorrow's preview to watch.